Hey there. If you would like to support this show and others like it, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Click us a couple bucks a month and it makes a huge difference. Once again, that is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Welcome to another episode of Bathroom Breakers. We travel across the country looking for bathrooms to remodel into fabulous dream zones. Whether it's a commode a la mode or putting in a bumper toilet, TLC's Bathroom Breakers has what you're looking for. Let's meet the lucky homeowners now. Harlan and Frank Fontaine bought this charming little ranch house in 2013. But since then, well, you can see the bathroom. That's why we surprised them with a visit from the Bathroom Breakers Wrecking Crew. Now, do tell me exactly what it is you plan to do with my precious bowl, young man. I thought fixing broken heads was my department. Now who's this twist behind the shut a jig You got guts, kid, coming into the lion's litter box like this. What an angle you've given me. Uh, 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 no, 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 Mr. Fontaine. Uh, we're, for, we're from Bathroom Breakers, and uh, we just wanted to give you your dream bath... Ba- uh, there, my son. I've given you something to help you sleep. You still pushing that army issue, horse? Dem jazz darts are gonna bring the heat on us, and that's not something Frank Fontaine needs. I merely gave the lad something to help him relax. Now here, stay still. You get close to me with that needle, and you's gonna pull back a skeleton hand instead of a regular mega mook. Uh, Carl, uh, the feed went dead, and I just wanted to chill. Oh, God, what's that? Let let the river of Lithe carry you away to a higher plane of relaxation. We admit, it took quite a while to explain to the Fontaines what we were and what a TV show even was, but I think they were pleased with the results. Why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about the unique designs you've made for your bathroom? Well, right here, you's got a stack of Tommy guns and Bibles. These sheep ain't gonna know who fleeced them until they're sweaters. And here I have a man-sized chute installed in the floor. You never know when a guest might need to take a nap after our particularly strenuous movement of the nethers. I put this here chair here. It's got straps for when little canaries don't want to sing pretty. And right here, I put in this crystal ball for when one gets to pontificating and monologuing. Oh, and we put in double sinks so we could both brush our chompers at the same time. And I had them put in a high-pressure shower here. No, no showers. We talked about this, you fatted goose, and I ain't gonna relive. Now, Now sleep, my son. Become addicted to mother's milk. Did, did you just... Oh. You two join him in dreamland to dance among the poppies. A candy-colored clown they call the Sandman. Where, where am I? What is this place? You're on fire, you little fucks! Welcome to the spider's den! I hope you brought enough magic to share with your neighbors! To be continued. Not to be
My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are talking about L.A. Noir, which is an open-world adventure game developed by Team Bondi and published by Rockstar Games for the PS3, Xbox 360, and PC in 2011. Yeah, and we consider it retro because it's last, last generation, suckers. Um, yeah, in this game, you play as Detective Cole Phelps, and you are a World War II veteran uh, turned police officer, and you're investigating a series of crimes in Los Angeles in 1947. Yes, and uh, a heavy emphasis on investigation there because that's what you're doing uh, for most of the game, along with kind of interrogating these witnesses. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the game is kind of noteworthy. Uh, Team Bondi developed this technology called Motion Scan, which captures a performer's facial expressions and recreates them pretty accurately, um, which means that, like, essentially all of the extras from uh, uh, Mad Men are in this game. <laughs> yep. Um, if they're a minor character, basically, if you don't know their name and, they, and they're on Mad Men, they're in this game. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that kind of makes this an FMV game in a weird way. <laughs> because like these recognizable actors they don't just lend their voices they lend their appearance right like the main you know the main character is kind of an actor he's like he's he's played by aaron stanton again a guy from mm-hmm. mad men right yeah yeah it's it's like a F- an fmv guy on non-fmv bodies <laughs> exactly so it's, it's sometimes it's a little stiff and goofy um <laughs> with you know it, there's a little bit of uh disconnect there but for the most part it's really uh you know kind of remarkable and and it's neat because it is a technical innovation that has this you know allows them to do this kind of gameplay that would be difficult to do outside of fmv mm-hmm. formally um which is interrogation so part of the game a large part of the game is watching to see if people are lying to you watching for facial expressions and tells mm-hmm. um this is like it's one of these things that's like it's not so like it's it's very obvious when people are lying mm-hmm. for the most part but it's still just need to look for it. Like n- nobody right. in the game is making an expression that someone would make in real life when they were lying. Like <laughs> yeah. it'd be like everybody in the real world is a better liar mm-hmm. than everyone in this game. But it is really fun to like, oh, well, like I recognize that from the real world. Yeah. Like that means somebody is obviously lying. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person is obviously uncomfortable or that is in, like you know, their, their, their body language is incongruous with what they're actually saying right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whereas without this technology, they would have to rely either on writing, which could possibly get, you know, really obvious, like it could just be Phoenix Wright, where they're, you know, basically hanging these lampposts on these contradictions you're supposed to see, or by voice acting, which, you know, it's really hard to get that nuance across, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's ambiguity in this system, because it's not just binary. Uh, A lesser game or a different game would say, yes, you are lying, and here is the absolute proof every single time. Whereas L.A. Noir uh, gives you an option to either say, hey, you're lying, and here's the evidence, or I know you're lying, but I don't actually have evidence. And that is uh, the doubt command that they provide you with. Yeah, and and this is, uh, you know, the cause of a lot of... You know, people people point this out. This is a funny thing about this game is the fact that you're a pretty mild mannered guy, and then you say something as mild as doubt, and then you just freak the fuck out. <laughs> like if you don't realize that doubt used to be force, it's really weird the first time you do it, yeah. and you just like badger some widow into crying <laughs> um, out of nowhere. It's like you seem like a pretty good guy, but damn cool. Yeah. Um, exactly. It, it really does come out of nowhere, and uh, it's also kind of kind of a little bit uh, uh, made worse by the fact that you can back out of a lie accusation. You know, say, oh, if you you know can't yeah. have to shake the tree, shake and see what falls out, right? Yep. Um, but yep. uh, you can't back out of a doubt, 
right? So there's no. there's pretty much always like a workflow. If you're uncertain, you have to accuse of a lie and then see what comes back because oftentimes there'll be a hint and then, you know, pull back for, for a doubt, which makes it just like yeah. the, the weirdest conversation. Yeah. It, and that is, and we'll talk about this more. Like one, like as a pro tip, um, you can always accuse of lying mm-hmm. because if, if they are lying, they'll say, you got some proof. And if they're not lying, they'll say, what are you talking about? So like that, that's 100% consistent through the game. But I would argue that like, uh, it's best not to do that because this game does the thing that like walking dead, you know, telltale games do and a uh, thing they love so much in that like, there are choices without consequences right. and they, they blur that line really well. So like, just play it the way you feel and, and be fine if you fuck up. Right. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is the captain's going to chew you out, but <laughs> the conversations will play out more naturally. And I like Cole as somebody who fucks up, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I would argue, uh, regrettably, that's not all the game is, though. Mm-hmm. Um, there is combat as well. Um, and it takes the place of either like one on one boxing match kind of fisticuffs or mm-hmm. cover based shooting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And both are just way too simple. Like they really don't yeah, feel like they there's belong nothing, there. There's nothing to it. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't like it's, it just ends up being, it takes this relatively realistic game and it's just like, Oh, why can I take like 10 bullets? Like <laughs> I, I accept that in, in Grand Theft Auto and in Call of Duty here, it just feels weird clashing with all the rest of the verisimilitude. Yeah. Like, uh, and I don't want to give away like, you know, my gr- but it, it's symptomatic of kind of my, my grand thing for this game, which is like, I think this game is really good and does a lot of things excellently, but doesn't integrate them that well. Right. Uh, and, and that's from like a mechanic standpoint and a plot standpoint, like all the, like a lot of individual things don't work together as well as I want them to, even if they work amazingly separately. Right. Yeah. So, and this is one of them where it's not like the gunfights are great separately. I'm just saying it is like a thing that it's one part of the game that doesn't work well with the other mm-hmm. part. Yeah. And just, it feels like there are concessions to pacing when in reality, they just feel like padding, right? Like let's throw some variety in. And obviously this, this guy's going to run or you're coming to a, to, to a mob hideout or whatever. So let's throw this in. It almost begins to feel like requisite, you know? Yeah. Or, or, or concessions to rockstar. Yeah. You know, like who, who, who published it? Like I could see like, cause you know, the publisher, like that's been a, a thing with we were talking off mic, not about this part of it. We were talking about Batman, but like there's been a lot of talk now about the the publisher v developer relationship, and the kind of way that they have fingers in each other's pies, yeah, so to speak. So like a lot of the the things that are bad about this game do feel like typical Rockstar things. Yeah, and those are things uh, that popped up like makes... over development. Like Rockstar wasn't involved from the beginning. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's, just, it's I want to give the people who made this really weird adventure game credit <laughs> to not run this half-assed you know, uh, gun parts, but maybe not. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it was just them. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, something I feel is a little bit more successful is the driving. Um, mm-hmm. strangely enough, you're driving these 1940s boats and the cars handle better than uh, grand theft auto four, which is because everything's slower. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's all it takes. Like it's, it's much, it's much better. Like they're much easier to control and much more fun to drive. And just because they're slow. Yeah. 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 Um, it's like a 50 CC mark part control it. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, you're using that to either uh, to, you know chase people down if they're fleeing from you, or to uh, to tail people. Uh, the tailing in this game, whether mm-hmm. on car or on foot, is regrettable. I think yeah. <laughs> because it turns yeah, it into I, a stealth I, game. I, yeah, it doesn't work. Man, I never want to follow something close but not too close. Yep. In a game, that is one of my least favorite like <laughs> categorizations of of gameplay task because it like it never feels like it works. Like every like, every foot chase like incognito foot chase in this game i ended up skipping eventually which i love that you can do that we should mention that like 
So at least in some, you know, Team Bondi at, um, at some point knew that this wasn't their strong suit because they give you the option if you fail any of these things three times, you just skip to the end. Right. And it has no impact on your rank. It doesn't do anything. It's just like, hey, if this wasn't why you came here, if you were, you know, thought this was an, an open world game, you know, thought this was an open world adventure game and got here and it was like, what's all this shooting shit? You don't have to do it, um, which I really like. I want all games to have that. Like, I people complain about that in Mario where it's like, oh, they just let you skip it if you don't want to. But like, you know, we talked about that with G-Codes. Like, it's my game. I, if I don't want to do a part, I don't want to do a part. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't have felt good about like. Uh, trying over and over and over again to get the the foot chases or the you know the foot incognito tailing things in this yeah. game like done correctly like so it's 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 kind of sad right because like that whole chasing people incognito like tailing somebody that is totally a noir trope i was just watching uh chinatown this morning surprise uh to get ready <laughs> for this and there's a whole long sequence where jack nicholson uh, uh like tails mr mulray like down to the down to the waterfront uh-huh. and stuff like that is totally a noir thing it just like i don't know it just doesn't fit into a game like it's not as tense because you're in control of it as opposed to being able to actually just kind of like pace it with a directorial like uh, you know editorial eye and it, well, because they have to gamify it, they have to make the person like look back at very yeah. regular intervals. And then mine kept breaking. Like, uh-huh. uh, so the first one I had to do, the lady just stopped at the street and never crossed it. Hmm. And there was just like nothing I could do to make her cross the street. So it was just like she would just stand there until I eventually just walked up to her and was like, "Hi, I'm Cole Phelps." <laughs> and then it would just fail the mission. <laughs> and then eventually I just got to go through it again. But yeah, like they they just weren't those parts aren't very well done i think yeah um what's also like what is well done but also kind of an interesting uh you know not 100 percent success is how you know so this is a big open world yep it's a very faithful representation of los angeles right like in the 40s which is pretty cool mm-hmm. um from like a like a, a games as archiving standpoint yes you know like you can use games to explore spaces in this way and it's really neat um, but they don't like the, you're not really it's not integrated the same way it is in a GTA game. Right. Um, to where, again, like the, like the shooting is totally optional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can you, you know? can skip to it to a location by having your partner drive, which is what you ought to do, because driving across L.A., even in, in game and in real life, a terrible thing to have to do. Yeah, uh, you're going to murder so many people on accident. And just yeah. like, you know, there's be, like the department's just looking the other way while you kill just, you know, ton, <laughs> As, tons of uh, people crossing yeah. the street. So, so, si- sirens on. No fucks to give, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like so, it's really cool because this space kind of doesn't exist anymore. Like this is pre, you know, inter- interstate really in mm-hmm. LA, and that kind of changed the landscape of stuff. So yeah, like it's fa- it's fantastic to drive around and see these landmarks and stuff. I think this proves something that you know it, it's one of the most glaring instances of, of of this kind of principle, which is just because something you worked really hard to do something or. Um, you, you tried really hard to make it doesn't mean it was worth doing in terms of like the game. Right. So if this was just a, you'll go walk around and do the, you know, it just, it feels again, like shoe, shoe, one day. In Carta CD-ROM. Yeah. Like, that, like you just explore 40s LA. Yeah. Like, like, like here is a, you know, here, here's just a, a way for you to go experience the thing that you otherwise wouldn't be able to experience. Right. And mm. I, I feel like that's actually like it gets in the way here more than it does in like an Assassin's Creed, which are very similarly re- like recreations of these spaces like Venice or um, uh, like the uh, like. Oh, gosh, what is it? Istanbul. Right. 
um, mm-hmm. where it's impressive, but like because you are actually running from rooftop to rooftop instead of driving, it feels more kind of like layered in and actually integrated with what that game's about. Whereas here, it's just kind of either this distraction or this filler in between the actual interesting parts of the game that I want to play. Yeah, I was I was gonna I was gonna make a joke because this game really wants you to care about the the what the city they made i was on to you know i was gonna make a lot of jokes about oh the city itself is a character which is a really annoying thing to say and then i realized like oh it it kind of isn't <laughs> um and here like it is like it is a setting it's a really strong setting and yeah. there is that like kind of seedy grossness and that's really important to the game but the actual city itself the geography the landscape is not important um until they shoehorn it in for one one quest like really really to me, like in a real weird break of, of gameplay flow. Um, Post-War LA is important to this game, just not in the way the developer intended, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or at least it, not, not, not in the way that they spent the most time trying to get across. Yeah. One of the, I love how you can skip your destination right from the top, too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the, the, you know, so if you just don't want to, like this game allows you to play it for the most part as just the, an adventure game. Right. Which is my favorite part of it. Um, and the, the skipping thing, because that feels like something in, in uh, a more modern uh, open world game you might have to unlock or something they wouldn't let you do at first while yeah. they made you do driving tutorials. And they make you drive a couple times in this game yeah. and you have to do the chases. But for the most part, almost right out the gate, you can just let your partner drive. There's kind of a fun if you do drive, there's a fun way where you can press a button and your partner will give you directions, hmm. which I kind of like that. Like uh, it just like left up at the next intersection. You're going to want to go straight here. So you can actually play in a weird way where somebody just gives you directions as you play mm-hmm. which is kind of a cool proto gps yeah and kind a of feel to it um and i like that but it still is not as good as just uh skipping the driving right i thought yeah i don't know i'm of two minds about it um i do like how faithful they are in recreating the cars like that's really cool like actually yeah. putting that stuff in and like in general the design aesthetic is kind of slavishly adhered to like there are a couple of like anachronisms there are some car models that are not that were not around in 1947 or whatever but like uh, just really really convincing i thought it was really weird every time cole checks his phone his iphone <laughs> yep like i was just like why, why is cole playing yeah. clash of clans <laughs> while he's doing this yeah case? and it's super weird how technical services has like like spy satellites and stuff yeah exactly exactly yeah ray pinker's got him on the satellite the um and uh, when cole hacks uh like like when he pulls out his phone and you're like hacking through the security cameras and like gary i think i played watchdogs no (laughs) um dang it's retro it came came out uh not today 2014 yeah it came out last year why, why, Um, why are you defensive about that were people giving us shit no, no, I just, I just imagine that they could. Okay. Like they don't, but I was just like, oh, this is something that if somebody wanted to be a real jerk, they could. I, I but I'm not. I don't feel defensive. <laughs> I'm happy to have done this game. Um, so another thing that they do as far as establishing setting is uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So, so the song has a period appropriate radio with uh, commercials and newscasts and stuff, which is really great. Yeah. And then um, our original score that's actually really good. Yeah. Um, specifically the main theme, like I think the the main kind of uh, not the title screen theme. Mm-hmm. But the main kind of sad descending burr, burr, theme that they play. Burr, burr, yeah. Burr. Yep. Yeah, I, I think that's really good. Expect me to use um, a lot of this soundtrack in the yeah. edit. Oh, so yeah. good. Especially so like the chase good. scenes when they pick up with that, like, anything can happen jazz. Like, that's really the only situation in which that kind of music is appropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it works really well. Yeah. Um, even if I don't love the chase scenes, like, I think they're okay. Mm-hmm. You know, the car driving ones I like more than the, the foot ones, which always feel perfunctory. But the um, 
you know, the, the music does give you a sense of like the feeling they're going for, I think. This game is pretty massive. Uh, it's really big. And in fact, it was gearing up to be bigger. There are, what, five deaths? Four deaths uh, that, yes. that you work at in the game? Somewhere around there. Uh, one of them isn't really, uh, it's really just the, t- 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 uh, the tutorial. But it was going to be about half again as long because they had to cut uh, fraud and burglary from the actual, uh, from the final cut. It's a weird thing, like, in, like, well, and we'll get to about in this in like three hours when we talk about closing thoughts but like <laughs> the uh as much as i think this game is almost too long like or is you know definitely doesn't need to be longer pacing wise like i would have wanted more inconsequential shit in the middle me too you know like my favorite parts of this game were just like doing cases mm-hmm. you know and when it got into the the macro plots are where like i don't think feel like the two macro plots work together very well right and then i also they weren't my favorite things i mean the, the actual main plot the last chapter and stuff like i've come to really like yeah but the um i would have loved just more casework me too in the middle, like disconnected you know like fraud would have been great mm-hmm. like that was so much interrogation like and just inherent in that like yeah no really cool yeah. Part of me wonders, though, if they would have just turned those into murders, like every other one was kind of about murders. Yeah, that's probably what they And that's like you think about that in terms of stakes, like the fact that this game constantly has knockdown, drag out gunfights, mm-hmm. like does is a pacing problem because in, you know, it's still realistic. But for a real cop, like, you know, that happens once. Right. You know, that happens and that almost never happens to anybody. But if it happens, it happens once in your career rather than like every other day. Right. That happens to Cole. Um, and even if you kind of justify it yourself, like, oh, this is taking place over the course of a, a year or something like that, it's still like, you know, seven or eight major gunfights in a year. Yeah. Cole Phelps kills more people through the course of this game than anybody would have killed anybody in uh, in World War II. Than he did in the war. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Than he did in the war. Yeah. Like, and, and we know he, I mean, you know, and that's saying something. As yeah. We'll come like to find out. Cotton Hill killed 50 men, but Cole kills yeah. 150. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Um, a lot of the, the, the peculiarness of this game, the, the singularness of it is down to um, the guy who made it, Brandon McNamara, who is the auteur at Team Bondi, who made it. And if you if you read about this game, you know, and read about its development, um, it took seven years, which is a long time. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was hell. Yep. Um, like, this guy was a monster. Yeah. And uh, everyone hated working for him, and no publisher would work with him after this. Like, yeah. they just shit the bed. Um, in order to make something that I think is genuinely unique. Right. So, like, it is, it's, you know, great art has cost, but, like, there are, you know, developers and, and, and visionaries who make unique games without, yeah, without just being a 100% asshole and treating people, treating their workers like garbage. I, I like, I read, know? I read that they cut, like, 100 names out of the credits, which yeah. is just, like, yeah, it sounds, shitheadedness it on the... Yeah, it such a nightmare. Yeah. Ugh. What, what, that would suck so bad to have the experience marred like that, because this is the kind of game where you could come out of it and be like, oh, I worked on something really neat. Yeah. Like, whenever I see, like, a Kickstarter and it's somebody who worked on Bioshock or something like that, which mm-hmm. happens a lot now, because all yeah. those guys are going into independent, I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I love Bioshock. Like, that's a, you know, I'm interested in to see what the people who made that, what they do. And for the most part, it, like, pans out. Like, they do make interesting things. Yeah. But the people who made this, like, I never see, like, hey, I worked on Team Bondi, because it was such a hell experience. Like, mm-hmm. even if the end result is something you could be proud of, it still probably is just a bad memory. Yeah. You know, because this McNamara fuck. (laughs) And it's, and it's bad because even knowing all that, I'm kind of curious about what the horror of the Orient would have been the game that they are working on after this. Yeah. Like, yeah, I would, I would love to see where they, and that's, that's, that's ultimately one of the worst things about him being such a shithead is that it means that he can't make any more games. Right. So like, I would have loved to see what he did because this game is something I genuinely think is like really, really interesting and cool. Um, you know, and I would have loved to see what they did next. 
Yeah. I mean, apparently it's still in development. Yeah. I, yeah. I haven't seen anything cancel like a cancellation notice, but it's yeah. been a, it's been been quite a while. troubled. Troubled. Um, tell us a little bit about the plot, Cole. So the year is 1947, and America has emerged victorious from the war. Guys, we won, right? Um, but uh, yeah, the war I- did have its cost, right? Cole Phelps uh, is a lieutenant uh, from the Marine Corps who earned a Silver Star in Okinawa, um, and he has joined up with the LAPD as kind of this straight-laced and rule-abiding rookie. Think like uh, Guy Pierce's character from L- uh, from L.A. Confidential, right? Think exactly that. Yes. Like, uh, that, that, that's clearly a, a point of influence. Yes. No. <laughs> Man, this game wears its influences so on its sleeve, and it's great. Yeah. This is like right in the pocket for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, because of that, he doesn't really win many friends, but he slowly uh, begins to kind of uncover these massive conspiracies that run to the very core of Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of interesting. You start off um, the with an opening narration, this kind of music, uh, about this this car that you're in. And the person who's narrating is uh, your partner from The Last Desk. Herschel, yeah. Yeah, it's Herschel, which is kind of cool. Like, it's a cool little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about the partners thing, and that is one of my favorite things about this game. The, like, the entire thing is foreshadowing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that's totally that's totally true. Like the shots that, that pop up mm-hmm. uh, as as it kind of shows the cinematic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every every setting you see, uh, most of the buildings and objects and company names you see are going to pop up as relevant in later in later cases. We should also note we we should have noted this before, and we noticed it noted it when we were talking about doing this game. But we are going to do the DLCs mm-hmm. um, integrated into the game because they help with that pacing thing of just having some regular cases in the middle um, yeah. for sure, and also they're really good. Yeah. And uh, the complete edition, which you can get, uh, I believe, um, uh, like now, if you buy it at retail, it's going to be the complete edition or on Steam um, just has those woven in where they would fit in the progression of the story. So that's that's recommended. I don't see why you would ever play this game without those. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you start off on the patrol desk as a, as a beat top beat cop. And, yep. uh, and this is the uh, the tutorial. And we're going to kind of breeze through these just because they're really kind of perfunctory. There is kind of introducing some mechanics for you. Um, and this is a unique desk in that every mission kind of has Herschel uh, narrating something at the beginning, telling you um, a little bit about uh, the nature of being in a cop or whatever in this city, right? Yeah, and, and they'll eventually, uh, those will fade away. Yeah. Um, so when we breeze through these, we're going to breeze through the story stuff and the actual, the crimes you're solving. This is probably a good time to talk about the individual mechanics as this is the first time they pop up. Um, so the first thing that happens uh, upon reflection, so Cole and your part and his partner are called in on a shooting, and uh, you get there a little bit too late, of course. But uh, you have to search for evidence in the alley, and right. this is the uh, the first time you're doing such. Right, and so evidence evidence searching is great. It's not detective vision. There isn't a little flashing, glinting light. It actually does it with sound cues and with mm-hmm. uh, vibration. Right. So yes. you're going to walk around and you'll hear a dun, dun, dun on a piano <laughs> and uh, pick something up. And uh, there's plenty of chaff in this, like uh, like Uninvited yeah. or Shadowgate. I'll, I'll tell you one thing about that is that that drives me nuts when it is. I, I very frequently found something like, oh, this person's head has been bludgeoned with a blunt object. Mm-hmm. And then I find a fucking golf club <laughs> and, and it's just like. No, this couldn't be it. Optimistic, Cole. Yeah, yeah, opti- yeah. This isn't going to help me. This, this, this doesn't seem relevant. Why not? It's, it's a fucking bent golf club, like, right next to this person's head who's bashed in, you idiot. Um, you know, and then, like, figuring out which cigarette butts are going to be relevant yeah. versus which ones are not, like, is definitely a thing, too. Like, I like that. I mean, obviously, they had to have the chaff 
uh-huh. that makes sense. Um, but like there are, I wish they had just like, it felt randomized in some ways and I wish they had just made it like, oh, if I'm looking for somebody who I know smokes, have no cigarette butts be in this area. If right. I'm looking for somebody who's had their head bashed in, have no Brent blunt objects in this area. So. Yeah. And, uh, you know, once you pick something up, you're actually like rotating the right stick if you're playing on a controller uh, until something vibrates. So you can actually get like a point of interest and you never really know mm-hmm. if it's going to be relevant until either you get that voice cue or you find out that there's no kind of vibration point on the rotation. Yeah. Yep. Or, or Cole will helpfully tell you, you know, often like, I don't see how this relates. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Um, during these scenes, you can also check with your partner if you need help. Yeah. If you don't know what to do. And that's like having that, I mentioned with the directions, but having somebody with you throughout the whole game is really strong. Um, I really love that as a feature of this because like, you know, the maverick loner who does this shit is, is a really unrealistic trope. Oh, we'll get to them. We'll get to him later. Don't worry. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that, that does, that does, <laughs> that, that does happen. But for the beat, for most of the game, like, it's like you always have support, yeah. you know, because real real life cops like they don't you know they want to help each other and they're actually people and you know presumably care about each other even though like you know the monsterism of, of police has been you know of, of some police acts has, has been in the news recently yeah. like I've, i mentioned before like i worked for a police department for a while mm-hmm. and uh the, the people were just you know for the most part were just good people who just didn't want to see each other get hurt and yeah. wanted to my entire family is jobs. police right <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's just like a nice blue collar job like it's mm-hmm. not you know full of, of dirties hairy yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And like that, that also aids in kind of incidental dialogue as well. Something I really love whenever a game does it, which is people are going to talk to each other around you and you can pay attention to that either for flavor or for relevant information. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that too. Yeah. Um, so eventually uh, in this thing, you know, you go around checking evidence, you find a bunch of it, but eventually you see a gun that's reflected in a window. Yeah. Um, so you see that's going to be up on the roof and you do get, you're going to do this kind of moving around. Mm-hmm. Uh, mechanic climbing things, um, <laughs> shimmying up there because you're going to end up doing a lot of that. One of my favorite things this game does. I don't mean to get tripped up on details, but this is so kind. Is it, okay, wait, let me see if I can guess it. Okay, because I, I want to see if it's the same thing I have. Is it that when you're going up um, a fire escape, you just press up and you <laughs> fuck automatically? Yeah. Will... F- fuck yeah. yes! Oh my <laughs> yeah, god, it's so good. <laughs> High five, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I had that as something I was going to mention too, just because it's so good. Yeah. Like, why would you ever make me navigate a fire? Yeah. Because like, think about how much that brings you out of a normal game where, like, you're chasing somebody and you accidentally walk down the stairs. Yeah. Oh, which way am I going? <laughs> is he up or down? I'm all turned around, Sarge. Yeah. yeah. Cole knows which way is up. <laughs> but let, let the character know that. Um, I love that it takes that away from that con- little bit of control away from you to, yeah. to make it work. Uh-huh. It's so good. <laughs> Yeah, but you climb up to the to the rooftop and uh, recover the gun, which has a serial number on it. Something else you find in this is uh, another thing I really like, which are these newspapers scattered around throughout the game. I think yes. there are like fifteen or thirteen of them. So that I'm all I'm all messed up on my numbers today. But uh, these cut away. These cut away to uh, to cutscenes that actually are entirely centered around the macro plot of of the game. Yes. Yeah. And and it's. Uh... You know, they're not collectibles, which is what I first thought there, there were. And we, I, I wouldn't be surprised if I didn't mention it now, if we never brought it up. There are a bunch of collectibles in this mm-hmm. game, like, and, but they're so dumb and not worth getting. Like, there's just, like, a bunch of, like, there's some cars, which is, like, if you're, like, a 40s car guy, like, that's great. But there's also badges and, like, landmarks and things like that yeah. that you can get. Um, and this kind of is disguised as one of those at first. Right. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm supposed to collect all the newspapers. And the first time I played it, I didn't realize exactly how important they were. Right. Um, luckily, you can go on YouTube and, like, watch them all in order and they tell a complete story. 
um, which is cool if you do that. But if you're playing this for the first time after hearing us talk about it, definitely like whenever you see a newspaper, grab it because mm-hmm. you'll you'll definitely see a cool little scene that that's going to add some texture to what you're doing. Yeah. Also, something we're going to kind of ignore in this is the uh, kind of like on the beat missions, like the the stuff that you're oh, radioed yeah. into. Those are pretty much as always go to a place in L.A. and then shoot a bunch of people. Yes. So. Yeah. And they're for experience. Like, you level up in this game. It has RPG elements. Um, But what's kind of interesting is that um, I I had my old save on my my game for the second time I played it, and I started at the level I finished Hmm. the last game at. So there's kind of, like, I guess, like a new game plus. And that's really useful because the you unlock outfits, which have different kind of abilities, and then you also have intuition points, um, which help you in interrogation. Yeah. And uh, I, you start with five of those if you're at the maximum rank. Nice. So I started every one of these cases with five of those, which was nice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, so this scene that you get here from the newspaper, there's a young man named Courtney Sheldon who's talking to a, uh, a delightful man named Harlan Fontaine. Uh, wonderful. He's, he sounds like a foghorn leghorn a little bit. Yes. And um, uh, kind of talking about psychology. He, uh, Courtney is a medical student kind of studying under this nascent field. And um, Courtney, uh, being another veteran, he wants to get a uh, <clears throat> some help for one of his friends who is suffering from battle uh, battle fatigue, also known as shell shock or PTSD. Yes. Yeah. Kind of the old timey word. And th- and those little newspaper things are not going to make sense in, you know, that's all that scene is. Yeah. Um, but they make sense when put together. Right. So in this case, you just kind of follow the evidence, you know, and you tell and continue until eventually you get to the, uh, you know, the the perpetrator's uh, apartment mm-hmm. and uh, you take him down in a fist fight in a slightly less bloody method than everyone else <laughs> who you'll arrest yeah. for the rest of the game. <laughs> this game should have had the um, subtitle Fedora, Fedora Destroyer 1947. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody um, starts what, out what, with a fight and then it gets knocked off. Yep, exactly. And then I love how if you walk by, it, you'll pick it up. Yep. After after the fight, after it gets knocked off, the um, what's what's really important about these missions or this mission specifically is that you're not a detective right. at this point. Um, you're doing this investigation because you are uh, at we will learn kind of like sociopathically ambitious, right? And. Uh, you know, this is this is actually as much as it just feels like a tutorial. It is a really kind of powerful characterization moment mm-hmm. um, is that you're going well above and beyond, you know, to kind of polish the apple, yeah. so to speak. And and getting this this collar is not something that uh, was ever in you know your job description as a beat cop who is just supposed to like cordon off the area. Right. When you first get there. Yeah. This also kind of hints at corruption in the police department because the homicide cop oh, who's yeah. reporting on this, Floyd Rose, you actually find his name in the uh, in the in the notebook here. So he was involved mm-hmm. uh, with this somehow uh, before he went on to uh, reinvent the guitar bridge. So whammy bars would not make strings go out of tune. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we, we get a little cutscene of you enlisting in the uh, the military. Yes. So with and the, the drill sergeant is mean to you. Yep, the yes. the requisite mean drill sergeant. Yep. Yep. And uh, those interstitials are going to come at the end of most of the cases. Um, yes. we, we can kind of skim over these next two, Armed and Dangerous and Warrants Outstanding. Um, Armed, and, Armed and Dangerous just kind of introduces you to shootouts in the cover system with uh, with some uh, with, with a with a shootout at a uh, at a bank. Yes, uh, and it's 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 too simple, but and it's not egregious, but they're they're just at best they're fine. You have regenerating health. Um, you just you know wait for people to pop up and shoot them in the face. Yep. 
And then you get an interstitial with uh, with kind of some of Cole's uh, colleagues correctly identifying that he has Custer syndrome, which is, you know, a leader's tendency to run forward and getting people killed uh, for their own fame and glory. Right. And we kind of get this this uh, the sense that Kelso, this other person in Cole's unit and him do not get along. Yes. Which will become important later. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get, uh, you know, warrants outstanding next Um you know, so somebody has skipped out on parole and we had to chase them. So this is our introdu- introduction to chase sequences. Um, the uh, So this is interesting. You know, Cole is supposed to be this war hero, but anytime anyone ever tries to get him to, to talk up about it, he gets sheepish or sometimes outright refuses to uh, to speak about it. Which but this ends on a, uh, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, battle fatigue. Um, this ends with an on-foot chase sequence to a rooftop where you get clotheslined, which happens a couple of times in this game. <laughs> um, and eventually you fight. Check and your another little cutscene. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like you just run fast. Like <laughs> this is this is all you need to do to out that you know outsmart any cop in forties LA. Um, <laughs> They're like Komodo dragons that can't take corners. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Komodo dragon. <laughs> the um the uh, so so this interstitial is another war flashback, mm-hmm. and this is Cole reading out rankings, and it turns yeah. out Kelso is not actually that great at officer type stuff. Yeah. So eventually he's going to be moved over to the rifleman and uh, um division. Yep. Yep. And then this, this this desk kind of culminates with buyer beware, which is your first really big investigation and interrogation case. Uh, Cole comes across uh, uh, this uh, shooting on a sidewalk on his beat outside of the clothing yep. store, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, just walks up on a corpse. Which way is up, Sarge? This person's not moving. Why is there raspberry jam leaking out of him? Yeah, check his vitals. This game just turned into Weekend at Bernie's. Hi, I'm this person's new best friend. Yeah. Quick, like, quick time Cole, events. We can't let the Sarge know that that you let this guy die on your watch. <laughs> he doesn't have to know. Um, <laughs> We're going to get his inheritance because he owns the store, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He owns Nicholson Electroplating. We're going to get the big <laughs> Electroplating fortune. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so this is kind of your first real crime scene with the body and everything. Um, <laughs> the funny thing about the Uncanny Valley is that they can do a corpse really well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, the corpses are really great. And inspecting the corpses I really like because you get, you only ever have like four points of interest. Yeah. You know, like you never check to see if somebody's hiding something in their dick. <laughs> um, you, just check, you just check their like breast pocket. It's their, a microfiche. Both arms on their neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, a microfiche yeah. up his dick. Yo, it's more like a macrofiche. Boom! <laughs> Boom! Uh, <laughs> it hurt to get in there, but it ain't gonna hurt to get out. Uh, so. But uh, but yeah, there are only four points of interest you can go for. I always love going to inspect the head and turning it around because it looks like you're going in for a very passionate kiss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, um, I, well, I was gonna say, like, I like how they put something of interest at most places. Yes. So, like, I, like, you know, it would be very tempting to just be, have it be like a waste of time to check the arms because mm-hmm. what's on their arms? But there's always something interesting on the arms. Yeah. Or often. Yeah. Um, but you, uh, you kind of check out the scene, you get some evidence, and you get your first interview uh, scene with uh, Clovis, which I love that old timey name. Yep. Um, who witnessed the 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 incident? Um, this is her boss. Yeah. Who uh, who died. Yeah, and, he was uh, he was going yeah, he, over he, to confront uh, this other store owner about uh, about a layaway program that uh, he had yes. her on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you uh, you're introdu- introduced to this uh, interrogation, which is, you know, the so the questions you can ask are usually brought about by either, mostly the circumstance, but also the evidence you find. Right. 
And uh, you really want to totally comb the area before you start asking questions. Yes. Because otherwise you're going to have to come back. Um, you want to be able to ask the person all the questions possible. Mm-hmm. You will know that an area has been entirely combed by the music stopping as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they do a really good job of like, you don't actually have to get, I mean, you want to get all the evidence, but you mm-hmm. don't have to. Yeah. Like they make it, the game always moves forward. Like you can fuck up every interrogation. Like I want to try playing this game as like a just complete fuck up <laughs> at some point. And just like literally not, you know, just do the bare minimum, mess up every interrogation, like not be able to read anybody mm-hmm. because it's kind of in Cole's character, um, <laughs> you know, and see uh, how the game plays out that way. Yeah. I, yeah, I'd be curious. It, it's, 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 like it doesn't it doesn't fail you the case. Yeah, it's remarkably tolerant of failure. Like it will give mm-hmm. you it, it will give you a back door out of most situations, which doesn't ever really feel like it lowers the stakes, right? Because mm-hmm. when you fail something, you still feel bad, or at least I do. Like you know, if you get the dun 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 or whatever the uh, the the, yeah. the you know you you biffed it sound is like oh like that sucks. Yeah, yeah, and you get the captain dressing you down. Yeah, later, which is a bummer. <laughs> um. But yeah, so you do the interrogation, you find out about this other jewelry store, you head over there, or you can head over to the uh, the person who sold the gun as well, mm-hmm. um, which like going to a gun shop is always like the little bonus if you want a little extra evidence. Yeah. But you yeah, almost just, never have. It just confirms. It just confirms who's there. Yeah. But this other store is owned um, by, what's that? A little um, amuse-bouche of evidence. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it confirms that the uh, the, the gun was, uh, it definitely was sold to Mr. Callow, who's this other, who's this other guy. Yes. And it turns out like that the guy who died, and this is our running theme, is kind of a raging anti-Semite. Yep. Um, you know, the people who are the victims in this game are not good people. Right. Uh, which is, is kind of a theme. And that's really important. You know, this idea of, uh, you know, you have sympathy for them because but you're more enacting justice than just trying to see rights wronged for the right. most part. And then the one time in which Cole does the opposite. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, tries to right a wrong rather than enacting justice, it fucks up everything. Right. And it leads to the, his downfall. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's kind of it, kind of important in this game. And it also squares with, like, um, I said, it, I talked about it before, but like the time I was on jury duty, the person, the victim in the case that I was on, or the, the you know, <laughs> like, you're on the case of Butterfield. <laughs> we need a 32 year old clerk. Is this um, something you can talk about? He, yeah. You can, okay. you, yeah. It's kind of neat. That was one of the first things I asked the judge. It's like, can I talk about this? He's like, yeah, it's your story. You can talk about all you want. It's public record. Um, but the uh, the victim in the uh, the hearing I was in um, was awful. <laughs> like she she was a terrible person. Hmm. But like she didn't deserve to get shot. Yeah. Um, you know. But she she was one of the least sympathetic people I've ever ever met. Wow. And or, you know ever seen. And it was just it made it very interesting. Where it's like oh like this is not about like these are two bad people doing bad things to each other. Yeah. You know I just have to decide like. But it's the bad one, thing that you have to focus you know, on. <laughs> like. Yeah, the the one bad thing mm-hmm. that I'm focusing on. Um, yeah, it was really interesting. Like huh. those those people complain about jury duty, but I think if you get you know get something that's not like a traffic ticket or something like that, or I guess traffic they don't do juries, but no. you don't do something super minor. Like it can be. It was a it was a great experience. I really loved mm-hmm. it. Yeah, um, I would do it again. Yeah. Any anyway, um, but you're kind of like brought up to the big show a little bit because Captain Donnelly, who is like one hot ta 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 away from being just I, a I complete Irish. I love him so much. What do you and... mean one hot ta 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 away from being <laughs> yeah. like, you know, we'll deliver God's wrath to them, my sons, and give them the proper, you know, like may the cat eat him and the cat be eaten by the devil. You're right. You're right. But I was just, yeah. I was just waiting for him to go into it. And like, this is an actor, like this guy, you know, he, he's basically playing his character from, from, uh, la confidential but he's so good his dialogue is amazing 
Yeah. He's he he's ridiculous. He's a ridiculous character. Like he's he's a real steen sealer, but he's unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, oh man, he's a he's a scenery eater, is what he is. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, so you get Kalu, this other shop owner, in, and um, you can actually use the anti-Semitism angle to like bait him out, and that's the strategy you have to you have to take, um, which is really great. Like the the interrogation with him is 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 really good because he's you know he's he committed a, a murder that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, after you do it, um, you know the the captain says, "Get ourselves two suits and get them pressed." You'll be an you know, and 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 gives you his little thing because you're being promoted to detective, and that's where the real game kind of starts. To the traffic desk, which I think is my favorite desk in the game. Traffic is really good. Traffic is um, so it just, good. It's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, I, I, I like Vice a lot, mm-hmm. um, but traffic, traffic is really good, and it's just like it's just self-contained cases, man. Yeah, short stories. That, that's what I want. God, this give game. me short yeah, stories. That's all I want out of life. Like it tales from L.A. Noir. Like get Telltale to like keep the investigative shit, mm-hmm. and then and get this license mm-hmm. and. You know, get rid of all the shooting and everything. Yeah. I would, I would play the fuck out of a Tales from LA Noir. Oh God! Like, like there's just like literally just like here's season one, it's burglary. Here's season two, it's fraud. Mm-hmm. And that would be so good. Yeah, so good. Man, oh man. Yep. And this has mm-hmm. my favorite partner in the game too, actually. Yeah, I like I like Stefan Bukowski a lot. I think I like um, the homicide partner more as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is the most likable of the dudes. Yeah. Um, and, and he's kind of, uh, so Stefan Bukowski, he's kind of, uh, characterized by lack of ambition. Right. Um, you know, you, you are Cole and you are justice incarnate and <laughs> Stefan is like learning from you right. a little bit, like, uh, uh, like obviously kind of yeah. above board learning from you. Yep. And later that'll be inverted a little bit, but here it's like that, that's the point is that like, you're taking him under your wing, even though initially it seems like, and I guess that happens a lot mm-hmm. where it seems like they're taking you under their wing, but really they have a thing to learn from Cole. Right. Yeah, but otherwise uh, he's just kind of a goofball. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's some foreshadowing where you uh, you run into Roy Earl from Vice, mm-hmm. um, which you'll run into later. Who has like the best shit eating grin I've ever seen. <laughs> he has the most games. punchable face. Yep. Yeah, he, he's he wins the punchies 2015. Like <laughs> he 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 is amazing. Like the 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 motion capture and voice actor for for Roy Earl is really great, or mm-hmm. just actor, I guess. Yeah, is really wonderful for Roy. That's so great that this just gets rid of that distinction. Yeah, it? yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty neat. Like, uh, it is really impressive. Even if it is like really realistic heads walking around in kind of stiff mannequins, <laughs> yep. they're a little bit too short. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but for uh, for like for the Horror of the Orient, they were actually getting full body scan stuff in there as well. Oh yeah, yeah. So like they yeah, were trying to solve that problem. The uh, there was a GIF um, on the uh, the something awful post your favorite game glitches uh-huh. thing for a long time that that speaks to this where it was Cole laying down on his side on stairs. Walking in place, <laughs> and someone cast in, the, and it was like, "This isn't going to help you solve the case, Cole." <laughs> like, <laughs> made, made me laugh a lot. So, can can you find a link to that? I I will do my best. Okay. Um, yeah, it was really really good though. It was very funny. Cool. <laughs> So the case at hand is called the driver's seat, and this is a wonderful introduction. Uh, you're told to go down to a, to a freight depot where there is a car that is just just like Silent Hill painted with blood inside. <laughs> yeah. This car has come to life and decided that it hates its ex-wife or your ex-wife yep. or that you hate your ex-wife and has filled itself with blood. Yep. Yeah, and you're introduced uh, to one of my favorite characters in the game, Mal Carruthers, who's the uh, the oh, coroner. Yeah. Yep, another, another madman. Yeah, super stoic, you know. <laughs> Well, 
Yeah. 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 He, he's like the most hyper confident character in video games. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he's ridiculous. Hey, the support crew you get yeah. with, with him and, uh, and, and Ray uh, Pinker. Yeah. Yeah, Ray Pinker, who just like these like hyper competent support guys are very funny to me. Yep. Um I, I like Crothers a lot too. Mm-hmm. And it's cool um, how he and, warms up to you over the course of the game, too. That's what I was gonna say. He's like the first person who grows to like actually kind of respect you mm-hmm. and like you in the game. Um and later he like tells you that, but you kind of feel it well before that. Like everyone mm-hmm. kind of thinks you're just a stiff asshole other than the captain because you close cases and eventually you become a tool to be used and people mm-hmm. just want, you know, to be around you because you're good at casework but mal actually starts to respect you and, and you feel that as the game goes on yeah. which i really like yeah but mal says he really doesn't know what to make of this like this car is filled with like way too much blood and uh it's pretty obvious you check in the trunk this is actually based on a real case by the way like a bunch of these oh. are based on real incidents but uh in the trunk there's a receipt for a live pig and there's also um uh just his id which gives you his address and um an insta heat uh pipe uh, from a from a water heater, which uh, was the apparent murder weapon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you go, you know, you go to the victim's house and you interview the wife. Like this is a real weird. Uh, you know, there are a lot of human rights that get violated in LA noir. Yep. Um, you know, as the, as the style of the time, where like you're just kind of like sit tight, toots, we're <laughs> digging through all your shit. <laughs> you know, without a warrant, like that happens a lot. Yeah. In this game, so whenever you go to someone's house, you may as well dig through all of their underwear drawers, like. Mm-hmm. You know, to to get things, but you do that eventually, um, and you get this kind of sense that the marriage is not going well, right? Uh, um, such as the fact that there are two separate bedrooms, and also they have pictures of themselves. And if you look on the back of the uh, the, the husband's picture, there's another woman's name, this Nicole, which the yes. wife knows about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that gives you a little bit of an angle, as you'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, we find another newspaper here, here, um, and it Fontaine injects somebody with something to calm them down, <laughs> right? which is his like favorite thing to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually, you know, you interview the uh, the wife and you get uh, sent to this bar um, eventually yeah, to, Ka- to find the, uh, the co-worker of uh, this guy you're looking for. Yep. Kavanaugh's the uh, the husband like to go out and drink. Yeah. Yeah. But this uh, but this yep. Frank guy, you, know, you talk to him and you show him the receipt and uh, he's pretty much cornered. Yeah, he rolls over more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to decide whether to arrest him or not. Yep. Um, I don't think that has consequences, um, even though I think one of the people who you can arrest or not shows up in a street crime. Oh, later, if you don't arrest them, it might be this guy. Um, but I didn't do a lot of the street crimes because I yeah. thought they were boring. I arrested um, him because he, anyway. he was a, an accessory to fraud. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like I was I was I was Cole Phelps, instrument of justice. Like <laughs> you're, you're you know, you're like uh, what's his head from Dragon Age 2. And this, like the guy who's who's fused with justice and, and mm-hmm. ruined the ending of that game. Yeah. Um, Anders. The, uh, Anders. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're Anders. Like I, I play through this as as, as Anders. Um, so eventually, you confront Adrian, and and he flees. Um, you you and you catch him, and it turns out he's just trying to skip town to be with this other woman. Yep, up in Seattle. And uh, yep. yep, and uh, you arrest him, and it's a it's a good case. It's a good great, thing case. It's a great case because like even though the twist is obvious, right? Like oh, there's a receipt for a live pig in the back of it. Like it's not just a straight up murder, which is what a lot of the later right. cases would end up being. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. Like, the, all of the deaths should just have parentheses murder yep. after them. Like, traffic, murder, homicide, murder, <laughs> vice, murder, arson, murder. <laughs> like, it is just murders. Yep. You can, like, you, you, and, and I was going to say, like, you're, you're balancing the scales, but, like, you cause way more murders than you, than oh, you yeah. solve in this game. <laughs> um, yeah. So, the next round to a DLC case, the console's car. 
um, yes. where you find a car. Somebody has found an abandoned car with diplomatic plates in the middle of uh, like this backyard courtyard area. And so you go and check it out. It's a Packard Clipper, which is a great car. Looks really cool. Um, and yeah, it has diplomatic plates and flags and everything. And you get to talk to a really, he's a real piece of work, this neighbor is yeah like his yeah. his acting is the is really really bad yeah yeah he's 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 a real racist piece of shit um <laughs> and you know he finds out you know these three mexicans stripping it and like i it's funny because this game is is when i was talking about human rights being violated it's also uh politically like you know of of its time yep right like uh you know everyone there's a lot of slurs being thrown around yep. in this game and a lot of uh kind of regressive attitudes and i was you know i was coming at this with my my pinko liberal actual sensibilities and being like yeah what well, probably wasn't mexicans that's a stereotype yeah um but it turns out it is like it's almost it is often enough the minority yeah who, who did it uh in the game which like you know we could discuss like that's a whole different conversation for yeah. a whole different podcast i feel like but i was just like you know i doubt it was actually you're just being racist <laughs> because he, he was shown to be racist and i was like oh yeah. he's just pinning it on these mexicans but no it turned out it actually was yep um yeah, but uh, he has this notebook that has uh, the, the, a name in it, John Madsen, along with a bunch of really weird physical descriptions, lithe and hairless. Yes. Yeah, lithe and hairless. <laughs> so this is this belonged to the, whoever this console is, and it's clearly that he's a pedo. Yeah. Um, you know, like angel, angel lips, mm -hmm. you know, sugar butt, like all these <laughs> these different different descriptors yeah. you might have of, of objects of your desire if you were a pedo. Um, so you eventually go to the car dealership. That sold it, and you meet the uh, the owner who's a rogue goofball. And one of my favorite things I've ever done in this game is he goes, uh, he's like, "All right, gentlemen, walk this way," and he does a silly walk away because he's that kind of goofball. Oh, that's and a later then, case, but I know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. I, I for some reason I thought it happened to this guy, mm -hmm. um, but when that guy happened, I I walked real silly behind there because there's nothing. It's really fun to make Cole like every once in a while just do tight little circles as he's walking because mm -hmm. he his face looks so fucking pissed and, going, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> and then i also like making him run up and down stairs because he does the blade runner like when he's running upstairs like hooks his elbows like that going on a date when he's going upstairs or downstairs home again home again um, jiggity jig yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like you can get a lot of comedy out of just making Cole yep. act like a you know Cole Phelps act like a like a moron in this game. Yep. Um, he's but, the most serious person that's ever been. <laughs> but this uh, I love this dealer. Like like all the deal all, all the car dealers are just totally on the hustle. They're trying to stack that paper, and he knows. Like he knew that this was a this was a stolen car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so eventually you, he gives up uh, the name of one of his uh, mechanics who's missing. Mm -hmm. You do this silly little, um, like, there are a couple of little weird, like, puzzle things where you have to put back wrenches to yeah. figure out which one is missing. Well, you skipped over the last one, which is the funniest one, where you're trying to hook <laughs> up the pipes. Oh, yeah, I forgot because about I, that. I, I love Cole, like, taking a pipe that's clearly the wrong shape and just kind of going, uh, <laughs> and, like, pushing it towards the space, then it bouncing off and going, uh, uh. Well, you don't know if you never <laughs> try. <laughs> Yeah, he just turns like this real inarticulate moron whenever he has to do one of these puzzles. It's very funny. Yep. Um, and there's only like three of those in the game. They're mm -hmm. very weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Anywho. Anyway, yeah. So you can go to Delgado's house and find out his wife is pregnant and she tells you about the street race. Did you end up going to talk to the counselor or the council or whatever? Yeah. Because I didn't. Can, yeah. Okay, tell me about that. Oh, yeah. It's pretty great. <laughs> um, so he, because you are... Like he's just you know real slimy, and you you lay the the you fuck boys do you <laughs> call on him pretty early in the conversation. Is that what he like, says? And, and, yeah, <laughs> he's like you like to fuck boys. 
console. Like he like he literally says like Cole Phelps says that. It's pretty great. Um, and you just like you know treat him like and your partner punches him like you treat him like like pedophiles get treated in the the justice system. Yep. Um, right off the bat, um, which is which is it's a pretty good interrogation. Yeah. But yeah, I was not expecting that when because uh, like the option is just like you know notebook. Like, oh, I'm going to ask him about this notebook I found, and you press it, and like, you fuck boys, do you? <laughs> that's, e- that's even outside of the doubt reaction? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's what you lead with. <laughs> that's your opening gambit. <laughs> that's my opening negotiation position. Yeah, yeah. you fuck boys. That's my opening negotiation. I win. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, I didn't do that. Good. It's not necessary, but, like, do, do you end up pinning him for uh, for pederasty, or does he have uh, does he have the diplomatic immunity? Um, I think that because he didn't do like I don't think you do pin him for okay. pederasty. I think that you you would say like you're gonna make a report or something like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so you do the street race, mm-hmm. and uh, you know you chase him out of the street race, and eventually you uh, you catch him. Yeah. Um, the street race is you know when you're chasing someone, really the tactic is to get close enough to them that uh, your partner will shoot out the tires. Yep. Um, or they have scripted endings if you mm-hmm. can just chase them for long enough. Yeah, they'll flip um, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're they're all pretty easy. Yep. They're not too bad for the most part until later. A couple of them are trickier. Um, but you get another little interstitial me- mission, which I love that they put these in the uh, DLCs. Yeah. Because I feel like they didn't have to. Um, and this is, uh, you know, the drill sergeant giving Kelso shit for not having his gun clean enough. And, uh, yeah, he ends up joining a rifle company. So we're back to the main game with a marriage made in heaven, which I thought was a uh, I thought it was a double indemnity riff. But actually, mm-hmm. no, this is this is based on another case, too, like an actual mm-hmm. case that happened in the 40s. Uh, yep. But we have an opening uh, cutscene where a guy is walking out in front of a place called Ray's Cafe, and uh, he stumbles into the street and he's hit by a red car. Yes. Yep. So you go there and you check it out. You uh, you find out that he has a uh, a life insurance payout that's been raised mm-hmm. in his pocket, which obviously raises the red flags. Yep. And uh, you interview people in the bar who give you information on the car and the yep. fact that he had, had an argument. Yep. Including uh, Cosgrove's buddy from Mad Men. Uh, Dudley Lynch, oh, who's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yep. who's a hired bartender. I, I couldn't read this guy. It was really tough. So I didn't get much information co- out of him. There are a couple people who are actually, you know, don't have as obvious a tell, which is it's kind of hard to like, it's not like I want them to be really obvious liars, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like, that's the only way it kind of works. Yeah. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's just tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another newspaper, too, where uh, Courtney just says, like, hey, you know, <laughs> how do how, how does it you keep all these guys in morphine? Like, all these guys are addicted to morphine. <laughs> You know, why are you saying morphine that way? Calm down, yeah, cool. Um, (laughs) but um, was that mother's milk line in the in the sketch? It was that uh, Mad Mad Max thing. Oh uh, no, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was just thinking of it as a creepy way to refer to to hair to to hair on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So uh, through through the course of doing your casework, you find out that the core belonged to a guy named Shelton, uh, and you prepare you uh, confront him as he's preparing to kind of skip town. Right. Yeah. And uh, this ultimately leads you to meeting the widow. Right. And her uh, obvious paramour. Yes. And and she's not a very sympathetic character. Nope. Either. Like, not that like, and he, there was a bad marriage. It was the forties. Yeah. Right. Like he was an asshole and, and she's, you know, happy that he's dead. Um, yeah. So eventually you get the coroner's report over the radio. Um, it turns out he was stabbed two times in the chest, <laughs> which is something you probably could have figured out if you just opened his fucking shirt. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I already you know, found a piece of evidence in that hot spot. So yeah, exactly. Well, he says it's a hood ornament. But, oh, like I feel yeah. like you could tell the difference between a hood ornament and a, and a stab wound. Yeah. 
Um, but anyway, that was the cause of death. Mm-hmm. Which uh, leads you yeah. to go after your most obvious suspect, Sabo. Uh, Sabo, what? He's not a football player. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's not a, a shotgun round. <laughs> um, um, and uh, yeah, you find the murder weapon and then uh, go and confront him and he suicides by cop. Yeah, he's not going down. Nope. So, yep, there's that one. Uh, Slip of the Tongue is another DLC mission. This this is a case about a uh, about like a car theft ring happening in uh, L.A. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is the one with the auto dealership. Yep. Where, uh, where the guy walks walks this way. You get a report <laughs> of a stolen, stolen car. You chase the guy down. He runs yeah. because he's got a little weed on him. <laughs> a little bit um, of the but reefer. It, it turns out he's got a, a sales slip. You know, mm-hmm. so it looks like he bought the car square and uh, fair and square. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to the auto dealership with Coombs. He does the walk this way joke, which yeah. is great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but it turns out he knew the car was stolen. Right. But um, regardless, all of these pink slips that are floating around uh, appear to be legitimate. Like technical services tells you as much. And so you yeah. have to go to the actual printing company in order to press this uh, this guy, Gordon Lightfall, into uh, getting the customer list. Yep. Yeah. And you find out there's this guy named Bigelow who is a recurring customer. Um, and when you head there, uh, 58 Industrial Way, there's a huge shootout in this. This is the first time your murder uh, total <laughs> gets to double digits. Yeah. Um, as you kill all of this guy's thugs. Right. Um, yeah. But you find out that he has a bunch of uh, pink slips and he has a bunch of uh, light balls, uh losing betting slips. Right. Which so. was what he was using to uh, put the screws to light bulb. You got a note here where you say you can't get him on the pink slips. Um, I don't know every exact uh, time it happened, but there are definitely times where I felt like, why isn't Cole saying this? Mm-hmm. Or like I would argue something and and think that I had a piece of evidence and it would turn out not to be there. Or like I would say like pink slips would be the option. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could say like, hey, why do you have all these pink slips? Yeah. Um, but instead, when you say it, you're like, you're the mastermind of this car ring. You know, <laughs> and he's like, where's your evidence? And I was like, no, well, I mean, that would actually make sense. But you say something unrelated. Yeah. Um, to what you think you're going to do. Like, it's not always intuitive. Mm hmm. Um, that happens a couple of times where it's like, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Like this logic is kind of broken down a little bit. Yeah. The abstraction between like the subject heading of my interrogation and the actual question is that doesn't work. Is that, that happens a few times. Is that more or less egregious than like a, you know, honey on the cat hair makes a mustache kind of thing. Like where you're trying, oh. where you're trying to get in the head of the person who designed, you know, cause obviously this was written with a flow, right? Like a, at one point this was on a whiteboard with a bunch of boxes and lines. Like, like, yeah. like it, it is the fact that this is kind of more believable more grounded and kind of linked to you know the the game is encouraging you to think this stuff through and the fact that you're still kind of on rails with what cole's you know going to say because of the nature of the way this is produced um you you know is does that make this worse or better than kind of earlier adventure games and the way they fall down um well i mean better because there are no consequence for it yeah like all like you can you can just fail the question it doesn't matter yeah it doesn't Um, stop you yeah. yeah, it doesn't stop your progress. But it is it does clang more because the rest of the game is so realistic. Yeah. So anywho. Um yeah. Eventually you corner a uh, light ball with the betting slips and uh, you bring down this car right, ring. I like this this case a lot. This is an interesting idea. Yeah. Was it do you know if this was based on a real case or not? Um no, I do not. Okay, because it, it felt plausible to me, mm-hmm. like the idea of like these like fake car slips getting out of the, <laughs> the wild. When I was playing it, I was just imagining if uh, The Fast and the Furious was a remake of a movie from the 40s. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that, that that's pretty much as far as it went. The 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 wiki, which is where I got a lot of these uh, um, like, oh, this is based on a real case, doesn't mention anything for this. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, there's a relatively inconsequential interstitial where Cole talks about this being the, the American century, talking to his uh, to his comrades. But uh, that leads into the final case of the traffic desk, which hey, it's another murder, and it's called the Fallen Idol. Um, and this is this is a gross case. This is like where it's like, oh, LA is disgusting, and these people are disgusting. Yeah, um, you've already been getting hints of that, but this is probably the grossest one we've dealt with so far. Um, this is uh, somebody who crashed um, on this kind of uh, embankment across the street from the police department. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are two women there. Um, one of which is in the hospital who says that she was doped up. And the other one is an actress. Yeah. Um, June Ballard, which is interesting because it is like introducing this Hollywood aspect mm-hmm. of things like the way that that's integrated into this game. I like a lot. Yeah. Um, it's not always important, but when it is, I always notice. Yeah. I mean, that's a theme like that pops up in a bunch of these cases, especially in homicide, but like, yeah, young women come to LA and they just get chewed up. Yeah. You know, and this uh this young woman um is very much kind of our first uh instance of that happening in the game. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. But yeah. um you go to this um, you go to the scene and uh, uh June Ballard played Tarzan's sister, right, which is like <laughs> Just such a minor thing. Um, and uh, you investigate the scene. There are some torn panties, gross, um, in the trunk of the car. Yeah. And there's also a letter, uh, a letter from, uh, from this young uh, girl's mother begging her to kind of come home. Um, and you get something which was kind of, I think, obviously one of the, uh, one of the like tech demos or like, uh, like proof cases for this technology, which is Cole picking up the skull idol and doing the Hamlet monologue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I like a lot, too, because nobody gets it. And it's just like, this is the one joke he's going to try to make in his entire life. Yep. It and, falls, and flat. It falls flat. Yeah. College. Yeah, exactly. It's his one joke. Um, oh. Yeah, it is shot. Yep. Um, yeah, it's pre- pretty good. Yeah, but she interviewed June, and she's uh, she's super hammy. Yeah, and that kind of makes her a little bit of a tough nut to crack. Like, she also, there's a feeling like she doesn't give a shit and feels like she's kind of above the law. Yeah. Which also makes it, like, hard to intimidate her. Um, all attempts to do so. And she's also trying to, to turn your crank, so to speak, <laughs> and uh, and get your bone bone working. I love when your partner walks up and he's like, hey, Miss June. And, he's, and she goes, I don't want to talk to you. Or something like, <laughs> like, you're boring immediately to, uh, to, Bukowski, to, to yeah. Discuss. yeah, to Bukowski. He's just like, oh, <laughs> he just walks away. <laughs> it's a weird, weird lot of comedy in this case. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you find out this idol was uh, kind of wedged underneath the accelerator, um, and somebody had obviously mm-hmm. set this young woman up to be murdered. Right. Yes. Yep. And uh, Mark Bishop, uh, it turns out, you know, after you eventually you, you interview her some more, Mark Bishop drugged her. He's a, fil- um, a film producer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you head on over to the hospital, and you talk to Jessica, and it's just super sad. Yeah. Um, where she, you know, she ran away from home, but essentially was, was raped. Um, here as yeah. part of this casting project, you know, process. Yeah. So you go down to this, uh, to this place, this Keystone props, um, kind of, uh, kind of place, yeah. which is one of my favorite, one of my favorite crime scenes in the game, actually. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah. With the, uh, the fake, the, the, um, the, the fake backdrop yep. that goes behind the uh, thing. That's <laughs> the, really the, great. the main street USA. That leads yeah. Back I there. really like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is a skeezy fucking den of infamy. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is straight up they give, where they give girls the casting couch. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, and drug them. There's bottles of booze everywhere, and there's bottles. You know, there's other drugs. Two way mirrors in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's fucking gross. Yeah. The uh, uh, f- fun little Easter egg. The bottles of chloral hydrate are actually prescribed by one of the doctors that pops up later in the game. 
Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, Dr. Stone. Yeah, I think I know which doctor you're talking about. Yeah, yep. that's that's pretty great. <laughs> um, he'll prescribe anything. Uh, eventually, and you you have this feeling where it's like, oh, I'm going to get this fucker. Like, he's just been, you know, he's a party to raping girls, left yeah. and right. But Rory Earl pops in and uh, and saves him. He's like, hey, no, this is one of my fa- this is one of my citizen informants. Can't mm-hmm. do this. Yeah. And uh, you get get your first hate on for Roy Earl. Ugh, hate that guy. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a he's a real despicable villain mm-hmm. in this game. And this game does villainy really well. It does. Um, he, he's one of the better ones. I think the, him and Fontaine are, are are really strong. Yeah. So I forget who you're even chasing after. It's one of Bishop's underlings, but you find out that they're headed to the. Uh, or you're, no, actually, you're chasing after Bishop himself because he thinks he's off free. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're going to the, uh, the set of intolerance, which is an actual Cecil B. DeMille movie. It's one of the first big flops in Hollywood history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the sets just kind of stays up and yeah. you, you go here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple times, I believe. Yeah. Um, but McAfee's boys show up and, uh, you have to fight them on your way back down. A big kind mm-hmm. of set piece shootout thing. And, uh, eventually though, you know, so you, you've saved him and, and solve the case and you get promoted. And, uh, yeah, this, uh, this, instead of having a war interstitial, Roy shows up uh, and he wants to buy you a drink and he introduces you, uh, to the Blue Room Jazz Club and also Elsa, who is a German singer. Uh, and he takes her, takes you backstage. I don't know why he's introducing you to her. <laughs> I know why nope. Fontaine's there. No, this is, this is dumb. Yep. Like, I, I, so this is, this is important later, but it feels shoehorned in now. Um, like, so Elsa, when you get here, she's distraught about losing her friend. This mm-hmm. becomes really important later, but fuck if I remembered it. Yep. Like by the time I got there, like that she was somebody, you know, her friend was gone, but they portray it like it was an important plot point. Yeah. And it just feels like, oh, we have to set up Cole falling in love with this girl. Yeah. You know? Um, so let's just do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels really, really clumpy. Yeah. You know? I just, I don't um, know what Roy's I, motivation is. I really don't. No, I, yeah, he's a, because he, he, he sounds like he has one. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, you're going to like this place, Cole. You're going to like Elsa. Like he could just be being smarmy and charming, but like mm-hmm. he also, he's always playing the long con. Yep. You know, like he's not, uh, so I, but I don't know what it is. Like <laughs> this is very weak and like it plays into the fact that this part of the storyline is so weak. Yeah. Um, when it comes up later. So like, this is just like a dark, you know, a, a raindrop before a storm Yeah. Of, uh, of, of weakness. Luckily it doesn't actually pay off like for another 15 hours or something like that, <laughs> yeah. 10 hours. So, I like the idea of Roy Earl just going around to all of his married friends and like trying to bait them into adultery. Yeah. <laughs> just planting the seeds. <laughs> yeah, just introducing him to, to, to women mm-hmm. and then smacking them. Yeah. Which, if, if he's being, uh, you know, this master manipulator, that is a way to like get to get to Cole's cockles of his heart, you know? Yeah. Like Cole's heart on for justice. Like that's going to make him. Oh yeah, you know, uh, damseling this girl a little bit is going to help yeah. with that. Huh. Um, but the important thing is Fontaine is here, and Fontaine uh, shoots her up. Yep. Injects her, yeah. and Ray calls her a, a German junkie whore, uh, so she is addicted to heroin. Yes. But who isn't at this point? Um, and we, we're promoted to to homicide. Mm-hmm. The big show. Um, Yep, the big show. Um, this is could be its own game. Like none of these homicide desk things relate to the ma- macro plot. Nope, and they all relate to one plot. So this is like we're taking a little break to do La Noir two <laughs> before we finish La Noir one. Yeah, La Noir two, the Black Dahlia files. Exactly. Like this is cool, 
but it, it's integrated so poorly into the rest of the game that like drives me nuts a little bit. Yeah. And the the ending of it makes me feel bad. Um, yeah. Like this is the biggest delta between it feels good in the moment when you're playing this, and then going back through it knowing what the what the twist is. It just it's really not satisfying. Like not to get too foul, yeah. final judge, judgmenty on it, but like as people are taking this journey with us, I want them to kind of like understand that's what's waiting for us at the other side. Yeah, because because we understand it, so that's going to color what we're we're saying. But at least it starts off promising. Yeah, you know, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, a uh, a car. You know, we get a little scene. A car pulls up. Uh, a man pulls out a woman and murders her. So that right. is our, our thing. Um, Donnelly is our commanding officer now, and we're partnering with Rusty Galloway, mm-hmm. who I really like as a character. Mm-hmm. I think Rusty's a really uh, interesting and kind of kind of deeply flawed character. Yeah. Um, and his whole thing is that he is just a. Uh, uh, you know, he is no longer really a true believer. Like he wants to do, like he'll, you know, if it was a button to press, he would vote for justice to be done, but he really just wants to do it the easiest way possible. Right. Like he's lost the spark. Yeah. He's an alcoholic burnout is what he is. Yeah. And he's very much in most of the cases, um, kind of advocating for the easiest solution or the most obvious answer, right? Like he has his own heuristics, which are mostly blame the husband. He killed his wife. Yep. Yeah, and that would be that would make sense thematically with this arc, if the ending wasn't what it was. Right. Like, if this whole point of this was that you have all forces trying to ask you to take the easy way out, and then it turned out you were right in the end to not do so, which it does kind of, but mm-hmm. it just like we'll talk about it, it just undercuts that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I like his voice actor a lot too. So. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to kind of gravel. I can't pull off. <laughs> So we start out with the red lipstick murder. This woman who was uh, killed outside the this uh, the scene. She's been carried up to uh, to a park, um, kind of overlooking a part of the city, and uh, we're introduced to a very nude corpse. Yep, yep. And uh, so she's covered in bruises and wounds. Um, we are, we're kind of introduced to the mo of the, the series of murders. Um, she's missing her ring. That always looks really grisly. Yeah, um, it's taken off, and that's really gross. It like just kind of forced off. Um, she has writing on her body that says "fuck the BD," um, which is my favorite NWA <laughs> album, and uh, which I think is you know "fuck the Black Dahlia," and uh, these size eight footprints, which uh, kind of become a little bit roll eyes as as the cases continue. Yep, everybody's got tiny feet in LA. Yep. Yep. Yep, um, and um, there's not really too much evidence on the body, but around it, there's a uh, like a this puzzle box globe lighter that you have to line up from this place called the Bomba Club. Yep, and that tells you where where to go next. You go there. the The bartender actually names the victim. This is Celine Henry, mm-hmm. and uh, points you towards the owner. And the owner is super sad about this. <laughs> you know that that that, that, that this happened. Um, this love- is the. Uh, yeah, I, I, love, I love this acting. It's like Kramer at the VD clinic. Oh, it's the burning, the burning of a night of yeah. long lost passion. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, was, uh, he was obviously very smitten with this Celine woman, and he's very sad uh, to find out that she uh, that she has uh, been killed. Right? Yeah, yeah. And he he implicates the husband right a little bit. Um, once you get to her house, you find out it's already actually been tossed. Yep. Um, which is distressing. Yeah. And um, the, there's a there's a ring there that is missing as well from the jewelry box. So, you know, that it, you know, the, the, these two things kind of match up. And there's also a note uh, from the husband with an address of kind of where he's been living. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in here, there's also a newspaper you get um, where there's a man in a phone booth who calls Fontaine and is freaking out mm-hmm. and uh, says, you know, Fontaine, you said the houses would be empty. You said they'd be empty. And this turns out to be monumentally important for later. Yeah. 
Um, but here it seems like a non sequitur. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so this apartment that you go to after after that uh, kind of cutscene there is um, the apartment of the husband Jacob, right? And he is he is distraught and you know just like oh i knew that she was in a bad way turns out that she was an alcoholic which is going to be a theme in mm-hmm. these cases um and you start going around uh one of these things you're asked to do a couple times is shade in a note i was just oh, kind yeah. of hoping that they would put in a guy with a gigantic dick in one of those just as a, <laughs> we're a dick butt <laughs> yep. yeah. no, the, the thing in dick butt shows up yep i mean spe- specifically the thing in the the thing in um uh the big lebowski where he does oh, the same sure. thing the Big yeah. Lebowski, one of the best noir movies of all time. Yeah. yeah, we're, I'm going to watch that for a class this term. Ooh, nice. It's been a little while since I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's it's definitely a very good noir. But uh, I was hoping that either a dick butt or that would show up. But no, it's actually just um, a note that comes across as uh, as threatening on the first read. But you find out that he was actually trying to get his wife uh, committed to rehab. Yes. Yeah. And and this is, uh, the this guy has a, you know, evidence around him. Yeah. So that's going to be a theme in this thing is that every single person could be implicated to a degree where it stretches credibility pretty quick. Yeah. Like everybody's got a bloody shirt. Everybody's got bloody rags. You know, a lot of people have size eight shoes. <laughs> um, and the, the the reasoning they're doing that makes, you know, the reason they do that makes sense later, but it's in retrospect, it's infuriating. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, it just feels, it feels dumb um, at this point. But anyway, so eventually Jacob starts to kind of starts a fight when you're there because um, Rusty provokes him into doing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you have a fight, you have it, you know, you take him downtown. Um, you head on down to the corner. Um, I always got a little bit annoyed with some of these things where like, I just wish they could tell me the stuff over the phone. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah. Like there are times where he actually tries to demonstrate stuff to you or like check stuff out where it kind of makes a little bit of sense. But yeah, just yeah. not always, though. Yeah. But uh, the takeaway here that becomes important later is there are signs of rape, but there is no semen um, found um, in the body, which actually rules out somebody that you end up convicting. But we will get there. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, So and then you head to uh, Mendez's apartment. Yeah. Somebody you get you get his name and information off of a license plate that was spotted near the scene. Yep. And uh, he also has a bunch of, (laughs) you know, he has he has a used lipstick that could have been used to write on the body and a bloody socket wrench. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you end up taking him down on foot and then in a car. And uh, yeah, you, yep. he's he's in. He's very obviously guilty because he ran. So yeah, he's the exactly. first person you put in jail for these murders. Yes. Um, and that's going to be kind of a thing where, like, you know, a lot of people are could be the person, but we don't have them. A little interstitial where Cole goes to see Elsa, uh, which, again, is, you know, ends up being important uh, later. Um, yeah. And then we're on to the golden butterfly. So despite the fact that you put this person in jail, they put that you put Mendez away, uh, another murder with a very similar MO has happened um, in a parking lot nearby. Um, and again, yes. this body has been put on display in broad daylight in a park overlooking Sunset Boulevard. Uh, and the victim is named Deirdre Moeller. And uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this, this time she has some very distinctive strangle marks. Yep. And uh, so you head on over to her place and uh, the daughter is there. Is this the guy with two daughters? No, no. The I two daughters like the come two later. Creepy twins. <laughs> yep. Okay. Those creepy, creepy little shits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you talk with the daughter. Yep. Um, and they, you know, she, she says mommy and daddy fight. And the mommy always had her golden butterfly ring. Yeah. And eventually the husband comes home and, you know, what's the meaning of this? Yeah. For for as convincing as they make the adults in this, I don't know if it's the, like the proportions or just kind of the, the polygonal detail on the on the face or the facial texturing. Kids are not like they just come across like just creepy dolls. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so too. They come out across like animate, like the Calcabrinas. <laughs> um, yeah, super spooky. Um, yeah, so you know the, the husband comes home, and uh, he doesn't give you very much, but you talk to the neighbors about the fight. And when you come back, Mueller's trying to incinerate something, mm-hmm. um, and it's a bloody shoe because every single person has evidence on them. <laughs> yep. No, every single person you run into in this game for this 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 desk has evidence on them yeah it's infuriating <laughs> so you chase him down and um you know eventually that pans out later uh but uh in the meantime you go to the actual reported scene of the crime um these uh this uh, this place called belmont high school right where you find this yeah. uh creepy guy um this uh this eli rooney who is an oaky pedophile uh who actually has this golden butterfly pin on him yep in addition to having bloody rope mm-hmm um, a shirt that says HM on it and a tire iron, um, which are all things that, you know, could have been used as well. So everyone has evidence on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, eventually you uh, you get the rope checked out. Um, it matches the mooring lines of boats or uh, bell ropes in churches. <laughs> and we know the, the size eight shoe. Yep. So now everybody with a fucking rope is going to be a suspect now. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so interviewing yeah. Rooney, you find out that he worked for uh, like a boatyard and also has workwear mm-hmm. that could have been linked to this. Um, but he saw somebody else uh, get changed out of that trunk. Right. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then Mueller's interview, he confesses that he was burning the uh, burning those shoes because the police wouldn't believe him because it was rabbit's blood. He actually stomped on a rabbit, which is particularly villainous, I guess. He, he cleaned her. He helped a buddy clean a rabbit. Oh, yeah, work. yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, brother, brother, a buddy brought in some rabbit to eat. Mm. Um, but evidence, like, you know, so both people are fine. Like, yep. both people would be, you know, could have done it. But we don't have, like, an open and shut case, you know, yeah. for any of them. And that's going to be... So, in a way, like, this is... I feel like this is worth talking about. Like, in a way, I get what they're doing. Like, they're trying to make... This whole time, you're a super cop, and you're very sure of what you're doing. And they're trying to instill this unsureness. It just gets comical that they do it six times. Yes. Like, it just becomes, like, this happening once and having a little bit of doubt. Like, that's very mm-hmm. cool, you know? Like, it's not always open and shut. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Herschel is is not right. Like, it's not right to just get the collar no matter what. Yeah. But it just keeps happening. It keeps like, happening. And it just becomes sillier and sillier that everyone has a bloody rope. Everybody mm-hmm. has a fucking blood in their apartment. There's always a and, rope. And you can, there's and, always a shirt. There's always a man. Yeah, there's, there's always, always a lighthouse. House. Yeah, yeah. It, it just becomes it just becomes unreasonable. Yeah. Um, and and what's crazy yeah. is this actually becomes like the, the, the this whole line is about Donnelly in a, in a way because yeah. like it, it's it's really weird. Once you get two people in, okay, the investigation stops. You have to charge one of them. If you end up charging the husband, you know, Donnelly chews you out because you didn't get the right guy. How does he know? In reality, what he's looking for is we need to put the person away who is going to be politically best for the for for, for the department. Right. He doesn't care yes. whether or not Eli Rooney did it. He just wants this pedophile behind bars. Which would almost be a good motivation for somebody mm-hmm. if if he could only if he had like the foresight of a fish. Yeah. Like he was just like right now, everyone be happy because pedophile in jail. Mm-hmm. But he's not he shouldn't be portrayed as such an idiot because he has to know if you're putting away the wrong person, mm-hmm. more murders are going to happen. Right. You know, like at some point, like it just becomes it doesn't make sense for him to just push for a conviction no matter what. Right. When it's going to ultimately be a bigger PR disaster, you know, and it does end up being a bigger PR disaster. Um, you know, the fact that they, the murders just keep happening. Yeah. And then the press get involved. It just ends up being dumb. Yeah. Um, you end up just charging who, who do you like least? Like who's, who's a bigger shithead? Yeah. Um, just, put them away. It just feels so inconsequential because neither of them did it. 
Yeah. yeah. Which, and, so, and, and I want to reiterate for people who are freaking out or listening to this, like, I understand some of this, this tension is intentional. Yeah. Like we're supposed to be feeling a little shitty about the job we're doing, but like one, it keeps happening Two, that's like not how like video games work. Like mm-hmm. that would work as a, as a, like kind of happens in the wire a little bit. Like there's mm-hmm. a little bit of uh you know, you get to the fifth season of the wire. There's a little bit of this, uh, you know, putting away, like, you know, the, the, it reminds me of it a little bit, but like it works in a TV show when it's a player is in control and a player is making choices that uh, they have to feel a consequence about. It yeah. works less well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's railroading in a certain way. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Like, yeah, just kind of gross. Yeah. And like the, this whole chapter of the game is really well regarded too. Like people will say, Oh, the homicide desk. Amazing. And I, yeah. I, you know, just like in hindsight, I can't really get behind it, you know, because even when you look at the actual cases themselves, there's a tremendous amount of variety in both, in both traffic and vice that kind of bookend this. And all of these kind of follow the same arc. Yeah. And, and nobody, nobody is going to bat for, for arson, you know? So like, it really comes down to these three and like, yeah, it it is, it is, this is probably my least favorite desk, you know, other than, than post coal arson. Right. Like arson, the DLC in the arson cases is great. Right. Um, you know, the full, like just doing a case with, uh, with, with your partner, with Herschel. But yeah, this is not definitely not my favorite. So let's, let's cruise through some of these. Since they're going to be <laughs> very similar. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the silk stocking murder, there's a Hispanic, uh, a Hispanic woman who's found dead, um, in an alleyway downtown, uh, pretty much yep. near the police station. They're noting a pattern with where the bodies are being found. Um, and, uh, this has a message on the body, uh, that says kiss the blood. And there's actually a very long bloody trail with, uh, some of this, uh, victim's personal effects strewn about. Yes. Yeah. And it, it turns out kind of what we take from this is that, um, there's this, uh, a fruit market that she's been seen from mm-hmm. or seen around who's also kind of involved and they're selling brandy. Like there's all the little side crimes mm-hmm. going on. Um, but we know we don't have the guy, you know, this isn't a copycat because we get another letter. Right. Right. Like, is this the first one, the letter we get from, from the yes. station? Yes. You're called into yes. central and, um, it is, there, there's one of those, you know, serial killer magazine cutout letters. And there's also a hand type poem that Cole correctly identifies as being Prometheus unbound by, you know, Percy by Shelley. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, eventually, you know, we, we've, because of the, the fruit place, we've, we've been connected to this angel character. Mm-hmm. We interview him. Um, and he seems innocent, like he's just a hot-headed dude. Um, he's the the husband yep. or the boyfriend. Um, but he has a bloody shirt, and uh, you know we saw him. There's another piece of evidence. There's always a couple pieces of corroborating mm-hmm. evidence as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And another commonality is that uh, if you haven't noticed it so far, most of these women's uh, women's most of these women, yeah. um, the night that they were killed, as long as hell. <laughs> um, most of these women were, uh, were, were drinking, um, the night, you know, the night yes. that they were, that they were found killed and, um, uh, all of them were kind of in a really bad way and had, had problems with this. Um, and this, the, this victim, Antonia, she was actually down at the bar waving around her divorce papers, which you find out. Yes. Um, another commonality, a lot of temporary bartenders note that away. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep. That will become important eventually. Um, yeah. So you, uh, you know, kind of continue again. I'm just kind of cruising through these because yeah, they are no, very similar. And, uh, yeah. but eventually, you know, you put him away and I was really sure this guy didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Like for sure. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he, I don't he, think any of these guys did it. He wasn't but... good. I don't know why he has a scalpel in his puzzle box. <laughs> 
But... No, no reason. Just because yep. he has to have some evidence on him. Yep. And there's a little bit. Didn't somebody say that like the guy who actually did is planting this evidence? Yeah, on yeah. That's that's dumb too. Yeah, I, I don't like that either. Like, who is this? Is this Batman? Is this guy sneaking into apartments all over LA to do that? Yeah. Like, unreasonable. And, and that plays out like crazier later too. Mediocre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> okay and people who are watching the video version of this will just get a gif of that scene from that movie every time we say mediocre now <laughs> that's why i want to get to a uh, vice but just perfect in every way um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um the white shoe slaying's a little bit better but uh yeah it's pretty much the same there's a woman who turns up dead um we see a little bit more in uh in these intro scenes every single one that we get there's a little bit more information we see a fuller picture of the guy who does this um he's pretty much always bashing them over the head he's bundying them um as they go along <clears throat> And um, the thing mm -hmm. about this one is that there's a um, there is rain that has washed away most of the evidence. Yeah, which 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 is a bummer. Yeah, um, I'm just kind of scanning notes for for relevant details at this, and so it'll end up being the, the same thing. Is this the uh, no? That, that's the next one. Yeah, and this is the one where you're introduced to the hobo camp. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which becomes a kind of a thing in the game, but you don't really have to go there. At some point, there's just they start a fight, like a big hobo hobo brawl. But like you can skip going. I kept going to the hobo camp and then yeah. having Rusty like, "Don't go here yet." Yeah. Okay. Well, like you, you'll you'll find somebody out the front who you know, you ask like, "Hey, is there somebody really tall?" Because you know you go to the bar and you find out like, "Oh, there are these two people." There's this guy. Um. Uh, oh gosh, Tiernan. Um. Was was one of them <laughs> who's kind of a he's a sailor who uh, was kind of chatting her up. This uh this this Terrelson woman. Um. And there was also kind of this tall skulky guy who was coming around who was rumored to be homeless. Right. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they will they will turn you away from the uh, from from the hobo camp until until it's yes. actually um, the right time to go there. And eventually, what you're doing is is you're, it comes down to sailor and and uh, hobo mm -hmm. are the two people you're going through. And the hobo is like crazy. Yeah, you know he he's a, he's he's a bad person. Like mm -hmm. he's he's clearly a rapist, but he's not our rapist. Yeah. You know, like he's not he's not the rapist for this thing. But yeah. again, he's the bad guy in general. Mm -hmm. So you're putting him away. There's a weird kind of like there could be a commentary on the idea of like, you know, vigilante justice. Yeah. Here, like this is kind of a way of cleaning up the streets without having to go through all that, pe you know, pesky due process. Yeah. Um, But that's the one you're supposed to put away. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's the sailor who is, you know, just trying to to, to get laid on shore leave. Yeah. You know. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, so we're on to the studio secretary murder. Um, again, we're moving quickly through these. Sorry mm -hmm. if I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to rush you, Cole. No, no, that's, um, that's perfectly fine. I mean, we've got, we've got all this here, but there's more interesting stuff to cover. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, well, I'm just trying to get device. Yep. Uh, the opening cutscene, we've got this, uh, this, uh, woman walking in a daze by the tracks and then who do we see, but our guy in his taxi cab hat, uh, beating her, uh, with a pipe. Womp. Yes. Yep. Yep. Um, it turns out that her ring was pawned. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you go to the pawn shop, uh, I was pawned by Percy Shelley. Yep. So, mm. <laughs> and, uh, you head to head to the, the rail yard and, uh, there's a real creepo who just, <laughs> just wants to kiss the corpse. Yeah, you know. <laughs> just, just to see, you know, yeah, just, just, to, just to see like she, she's, you know, still warm and stuff. It's pretty fucking gross. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I love, uh, I love that Ru whenever this kind of thing happens, Rusty just punches the person <laughs> yeah. like Rusty, Rusty, you know, one of the things that happens as much as this, this desk, I think is kind of weak, mm -hmm. um, watching Rusty go from like bad cop to good cop uh -huh. throughout it is really satisfying mm -hmm. because like you're, you know, as doubt as you plant the seed of doubt in his mind, like, Hey, maybe we're 
arresting the wrong people and that guy's still out there, mm-hmm. Rusty becomes a better cop. Right. And starts supporting you. And that's really cool. Like, again, it's that inversion. Like, it starts off with Rusty showing you the ropes, but really you're teaching him how to be an incarnation of justice. <laughs> like Cole. Yeah. But, you know, he's he, he's also flawed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Super flawed. Like, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, both of them are. Like, it's actually like there's nobody who's like straight up just perfect one way or the other. Yeah, there is. Jack Kelso. Oh, yeah. And the boy, <laughs> boy, do they go out of their way to show that he is. Yeah. He's I guess the I, hero that Gotham needs. Yeah. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I forgot about Kelso. <laughs> yeah. And, well, <sighs> I like, wanted to. You couldn't be blamed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the most sympathetic of the uh, the victims, I think. Yes. Um, so she, she's this lady who used to have you know used to have a job, but like lives in the back of this this bar. Yeah. Or lives in the back of this uh, this liquor store, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of like everyone who talks about her is just like, yeah, she's you know just really sad, like she's been down on her luck, been unemployed. Yep. Yeah. Her, her studio closed. Yeah. 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 Sad. <laughs> it's funny you talk to this liquor store owner. He's like Clint Eastwood and uh, in Wayne's World too, a little bit. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. one day back long ago <laughs> <laughs> on Mulberry Street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're mostly just kind of putting the pieces together, and she has these, uh, you know, just kind of these uh, these acquaintances from her life of kind of scrounging for drinks. Obviously, she's an alcoholic. Um, there's a little bit of information about, uh, kind of the MO that matches up again. Uh, there's a, there's a message on the body, uh, cunt BD. Um, again, this guy's kind of going off the rails, whoever is doing this. Um, and, um, yeah, you get, uh, this address for a guy named McCaffrey, who was somebody that she hung out with at a bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> McCaffrey's um, a piece of shit. I hate oh, McCaffrey yeah, yeah. so yeah, much. This is, this, he's the smarmy, uh, communist. Yep. Yeah, yeah, this guy is a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, he has a bloody shirt and a bloody tire iron mm-hmm. uh, in in his apartment because he's in this desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's up at his, his chicken coop upstairs. Yep. And uh, you, you know, you chase him down. Um, you eventually get to the uh, the bowling alley where Tiernan works. He works in the gutters. You chase him down, <laughs> and uh, you get your first interview where there are two suspects. Yeah. And uh, you, I... each one will give testimony against the other, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So you have to decide who is more believable, right? Based on yeah. based on what they're saying. And, you know, by going back and forth, which is really cool with the new information, um, you know, you get this picture that uh, McCaffrey uh, kind of tried to set Tiernan up. At least that's the way the evidence is pointing or the testimony yeah. is pointing. Yeah. And the uh, uh, this is also one of the first times that the actual um, the background of, of the person, like, so you find out the criminal history. Of, of McCaffrey um, and uh, the fact that, he, you know, he was in the military, but or he uh, and, he, you know, he's a fraud who ended up like he beat this woman near to death for stealing his wallet. Yeah. At some point. Yeah. So he's the bad guy. You know, he's, yeah, he, he's, he's going he's, he's going around like this warrior poet, like, you know, reading these uh, this, the, like this communist literature and talking about, yes, I fought in the war and I've come back and the scales have fallen from my eyes. But it turns out that he's just a shithead. Yeah. Yeah. So he's he's a good person to charge. But again, he's not our person. Right. And uh, we end up getting this uh, another flashback war flashback where Kelso is actively undermining Cole. Yes. Um, and then we, we get the finale of this, the quarter moon uh, murders, <sighs> which I think this is really tedious and a huge break in flow Yep. in the game. And like this, is, this is probably my least favorite case in the entire game. Yep. Like single case. Like I hate this. Yeah. Um, so we get another letter. <laughs> and rather than going and investigating or doing detective work, like we puzzle it out like a totally different kind of game where we look at the different uh, kind of bits of verse 
and determine which uh, LA landmarks yeah. they correspond to. And the game kindly, if you go into your map, which this will probably be the first time you go into your map, um, it puts yeah. question marks on all of the landmarks, and you can actually see screenshots. And the clues are very obvious which one they're talking to, or which one they're talking about. Yes, like it's like you know, it, it says like a, a hillock or something like that, and that will be in the description mm -hmm. of the uh, the area you go to. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and then you go to these places, and there are just these little mini games. Or just there, weird yeah. little, like, navigation obstacle kind of thing. So you're, like, walking through the tar pits. Like, you put on waiters so you can do, like, uh, just like, oh, like, are you on the platform or are you not? You better move quickly. What? Yeah. What game is this? <laughs> and, like, and, and every time you go, Rusty is just like, you know, I ain't doing that. Which is which is fine. But, like, you know, at first. Uh -huh. But why don't we split up? Like, why don't we, you know... <laughs> And then, like, man, it's like a Tomb Raider game. Like, the part where you have to climb to the top of the, the um, it's not the library. Oh, it's the Hall of Records? Building, yeah, the, the chandelier. Yeah, the Hall of Records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that. That is like a fucking, but the, the one where you climb to scaffolding on the outside. Oh, yeah. The, that, that is the library. Uh, That's the LA Public Library. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, it feels like a Tomb Raider game. Like, uh -huh. it's like a, how do I get from here to here puzzle? Um, And those aren't, that's not this game. And that's no, not fun. That game's fine. Um, <laughs> Like... Yeah, no, it's it's fine on its own, but yeah. it's not. It's just it's incongruous as yeah. hell. Yeah, the, the the hedge um, maze, like going through a literal hedge maze. Yeah, yeah, it it's it's really up its own ass. Like this is really stupid. Um, but eventually, um, you get back to the intolerance set, and then you get an actual clue that leads you to this abandoned church. Right, and uh, you find the actual murderer. It turns out he's the temp bartender. Yep. <laughs> so he's the um, first person you interrogated in this desk. By the way. Yep. Um, yeah, yep. he's, uh, he's the and one it, who's still at the bar. And he's the one who knows that all these women are miserable and won't be missed. Right. You know, or that like, there are plausible reasons for other people to murder them. Like that makes sense. I can, like, I can get into that and, and actually uh, exploring his, uh, like den of murder. Super cool. Yeah. Super cool. Like I had a moment of like, it, you know, I felt like I was, uh, there's a part in that, uh, Sherlock Holmes Cthulhu game that Sherlock Holmes, the awakened yeah. where something like that happens because it's, it's not a very spooky game, but like, there is a part where you end up in a den of murder and it feels just like, you know, makes yeah. your skin crawl in a really yeah. good way. Mm -hmm. Um, that was really cool. Yeah. The bathtub um, with the remains in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, I can get into that, like haunted house setting stuff, but he leads you on this, this catacombs where you have to do this chase slash cover <laughs> shooting thing. Yep. Um, and it's so frustrating because, like, if you if he gets far enough, he just escapes. Right. That's it. Like, there's no like I could see him. Like, I I got to the end of this once, could see him, and then the screen faded out and said he escaped. Yeah. And it's like, why am I not chasing him? Like, why <laughs> am I not on the radio? Why am I not shooting him? That's so stupid. Yeah. Um. So, but if you if you do it right, you shoot him down, and then you get this huge anticlimax. Yeah, because it turns out that he is the brother-in-law of a really highly elected politician. Yeah. And just and, and Donnelly comes in just like, nope, nobody will ever talk about this. You guys <laughs> didn't get the, you know, the the Dahlia. Um, you know, this is the, you know, all those people will be let go on technicalities that you arrested wrongfully. Um, and that's it for you guys. Um, and this is like this is so it's like, again, I, I get that, like, it's trying to make me feel like shit a little bit, yep. which ordinarily I love it when games try to make me feel like <laughs> shit. Um, like, that's my favorite thing. Like, mm -hmm. um but it just doesn't like, I feel like it doesn't work, you know, very well. Or like I needed something after this, like looking at the game charitably and in the long view, like, Oh, this is the poor point where Cole loses faith in justice yep. enough to make the decision that leads to his downfall. Like that makes sense in his character arc. Right. Um, 
but just it was a bummer and tedious to play through in retrospect. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. And just only in retrospect, it's, too, because, like, I wish that I could go back with my with my early 2011 eyes and take a first crack at this because like when you're in the moment like it's fine i mean there there's some stuff about it that's kind of like grown worthy like why does everybody have evidence like but that's just kind of stringing you along and like forcing you to put it together yourself and you know come to regret the decisions that you're forced to make right but like on a second go through and in and, and in hindsight it just doesn't stand up in the way that most of the other stuff i would even say a lot of the arson desk does yeah <laughs> yeah, the, at least the at least the pre again the pre calso yeah stuff that you do, the um yeah I would agree like it it is the 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 strength of this game is just like doing casework yeah. and then when that it's like it's a police procedural game when that falls down it's not very good and it what it puts in its place is this temptation of solving like one of the great murders you know the Black Dahlia murders, um but they can't let you actually just solve that, you know. So they have to have you solve it and then have history wipe it away. Um, and it's like, I thought the first time I played this, I thought, oh, shit, Cole is going to struggle with this. And this game is going to turn into him like exposing this. Like, Cole's not going to let that happen. But no, he totally just lets it happen. Right. Like, and I was just very surprised about that. Like, it just seems like like my Cole, you know, my my Cole Phelps fucking, you know, champion of justice is mm-hmm. not just going to sleep while this guy walks. Right. Like, he's going to go murder him or something. Um, or go arrest him in the night or, you know, do something, but Mm -hmm. no, no dice. I mean, it could be his ambition that keeps him from doing that. Like, it's pretty obvious. Like we said, he's pathologically ambitious. And so maybe he doesn't want to rock the boat. Yeah. But he, he also like the, the, you're already kind of at the, cause like after this, you get promoted device, but also like vice isn't really the big leagues, like homicides, kind of the big desk, you know? So like, you've kind of made it right at this point. And and the ambitious the ambition of like being the person who put away the Dahlia killer would have been bigger. a huge coup. Yeah, yeah, bigger bigger than just continuing to be a decorated police officer. So it just it just doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily, like, I, I really like this desk. So, like, and this also has a macro plot that, Vi- or, like, Vice a plot does. that ties through the entire thing. Vice does. But it plays into the macro plot. Right. Like, the actual, this is you laying the groundwork for the for the main plot of the game. So, mm-hmm. I really like how this connects. Yeah. And I like, you know, Roy Earl is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's your that's your new partner on Vice. <laughs> um, your first, first case, the Black Caesar. Yeah, the Black Caesar. So Roy Earl is the person who you saw earlier who got uh, the pedophile off the uh, or the Hollywood trash bag um, off the uh, <laughs> off the hook. Um, and uh, he's the one who actually brought you to administrative vice um, yes. because he has designs on you. Yeah, he wants to, you know, you're a good case, man. <laughs> and he wants some of that because he is kind of like become less about working cases and more about just like pressing the flesh. And stuff, which is important, as we'll learn to, to add vice. But uh, he needs somebody with some, you know, good solid detective work. Um, so this first case, the Black Caesar, you had these this junkies' apartment, these two uh, dead junkies, and uh, the kind of, you know, the they both died of heroin overdoses, um, and it turns out that they both uh, love popcorn. <laughs> so they have so many popcorn containers from uh, this place called Black Caesar across the street, and there's something taped to the bottom of the cup. 
Yes. Um, and actually, if you, I believe that if you look around, you can actually pick up one of these army issued morphine um, serrets. That uh, yes. the, 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 that is the case here, and this is going to be kind of the through line for 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 most of the cases that you're going to encounter. Yeah, and and you find out that somebody had actually kind of knocked over this wharf and stolen them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Roy is kind of into it. Like Roy is like everybody has their their poison. You know, this keeps people con- under control. Like, you know, and he's part of his whole like quest. Um, you see this kind of almost like a Joker Batman thing between them of him trying to corrupt Cole. You know, and he's ultimately successful, um, you know, but he's just trying to you know, like, hey, every like you, you're not so high and mighty. Um, you get this kind of sense of, of that being something that he wants to do. Right. And he succeeds at it. Yeah. But you go over to the Black Caesar and you find out that they're also running numbers um, from behind there as well. Um, and this is kind of the first uh, area where I noticed that the music changes uh, from desk to desk, uh, like for the different mm-hmm. action sequences. This is where it really turns into the uh, the anything can happen jazz when you're running. Yeah, uh, which is yeah. which, which makes sense because it's spice. Spice. Ah, um, yeah. Yep. So they've got they've got a bunch of, of morphine as well as running numbers. Yeah. And uh, you, you eventually chase him, but he uh, he gives up uh, Armstrong Edwards, who is working for Jermaine Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah. And so you go and check out this numbers game where they've got all these uh, um, <laughs> uh, telephones plugged in, and you do this stupid slot machine puzzle. Because you're just trying oh, to match, like match a note that uh, that you found at the crime scene, actually, um, by holding certain certain reels um, more than the others. Uh, and inside, you find some of like basically a little kit, right? Like it's like a lunchable yeah. of, of damning evidence. Lunchable. Yep. Evidenceable. Yeah. Yep. Over here, you got a cracker. Over here, you have some morphine. On gut. Some yeah. good stuff. There's a mini pizza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this this is definitely the desk for elaborate puzzle boxes. Yeah. Like, be they musicians' cases or slot machines. Like, mm-hmm. that happens a lot Yeah, in, uh, in this area. Um, but eventually, after you, you, and you get a, a number for uh, Rama's removals, mm-hmm. uh, which is your next little lead, but Merlin books it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you, so you head on over to Rama's. Um, I like the characters you're in, you're interrogating here mm-hmm. um, in, this, in this desk. Like, they're all, like, hard asses. Yeah. In a way that's, like... You know, uh, really cool in general. Like the you know the people just tend to be like, and they also come at you with this this confidence of like, what the fuck are you even doing? Because yeah. they're not used to this because <laughs> vice is corrupt as hell. Yeah, like so everybody like, pretty much says we've paid our cut to the L- LAPD. Leave us alone. Yeah, what are you doing? And that kind of like confidence is a through line of the people you interrogate in this desk, which I really love. Like that gives you that a little bit of that feeling of like, you know, I'm a cop back on the streets, like cleaning yeah. shit up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is also kind of the first time you're really interrogating a lot of people of color. Yeah. Too. Like pretty much everybody in the previous desk was uh hapless white husband dudes. And so you get yeah. like a variety of actors and different kind of temperaments and stuff. It's really, it's, it's really good. Like it's good to get some diversity up in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So eventually you chase uh, Ramez and uh, his furniture truck, which he throws furniture out the back <laughs> and you get to his furniture place and it's a maze. Yep. Which of course it is. <laughs> um, and you actually have to use a crane. Maybe I don't like this desk so much. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> no, there's the... a lot of silly like gameplay things mm-hmm. here. Yeah. You know, it's like the feeling that they had to ramp things up and they, they weren't satisfied with just the investigate 
interrogate, even though that's so strong, you know? Yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah. how much more, like, like, in reality, it's probably more expensive to do the, like, the, like, the actual investigation and interrogation stuff, right? Like, per minute, that is probably really costly to do, as opposed to, we have these models, and we can, you know, kind of make this environment and put you in there to do that. Like, if they took that out, this would be a much shorter game, but it would also be much more kind of compact and, like, thoroughly enjoyable throughout. Yeah. Yeah, right, and just giving you the asset maze. Yeah. You know. Um, but eventually, you, you get through the assets, and mm -hmm. you find uh, blocks of ice in the back that mm -hmm. are full of morphine. Yeah. Um, so this is how they're moving it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And so this leads... There's a little bit of a side trail. Like, the Jones Booking Agency has a really cool... That's a good um, uh, interrogation. But it basically just leads you back to Ramez. But every, all, all roads yeah. are pointing to this polar bear ice uh, factory, which is where they are... Uh, which is where this is kind of like being distributed. Yeah. And it turns out this place is being run. Like a janitor comes up and is like, oh, this place is closed. <laughs> but uh, Roy Earl notices he's reaching for a gun and yeah, shoots him. What kind of janitor um, carries a gun? Well, the kind that works for uh, Mickey Cohen's brother-in-law. Yeah. Uh, fin Finkelstein. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like that, that, yeah, that name just sounds like I'm not trying to be anti-Semitic or anything. It yep. just sounds, it's like such a Semitic name. Yeah. They call it, um, I mean, they call sounds, him the Fink. Fake. Yeah. Yeah, ex exactly. Like, it just it sounds goofy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we find a lot more morphine as we kill a bunch of his goons. Yeah. Um, and Cohen is introduced in this chapter in general because during a paper thing, um, Courtney and Kelso end up in a meeting with Mickey Cohen. And uh, they kind of, you know, they want out of the morphine game. And the way they did it was they set up their snipers. Like, they're using military tactics mm -hmm. to combat, you know, uh, like organized crime, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And that's a really cool touch in this game. And, like, I want, kind of want to play that game. <laughs> Me too. Like, that's a really cool idea. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Mickey Cohen, an actual gangster from L.A. in this time. Like, he's a dude. Yeah. 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 And he is a prominent character in this game, which I really like. And, of course, he's involved in Vice. <laughs> um, next one is Reefer Madness, which I think is a DLC. It is a DLC, it's... and it's totally yeah. inconsequential. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It is. Um, it does have some of my favorite. Like, this has my favorite uh character beat bits of humor <laughs> me too yeah, like character beat and bits of humor in this thing mm -hmm. so essentially you know you find out um this informant says there's a big reefer op operation yep um 50 pounds a week which is a lot <laughs> and uh when, when you eventually you head there you find that they're they're carrying the pot in uh side soup yep um after the hardest gunfight in the game because they are right on top of you oh yeah with yeah. That, that little yeah that is really really difficult yeah um, that and you have to kind of um you have to the go around to the go, back, yeah. Yeah, go around the back and you'll be okay. But it is really difficult. Mm. Um, there's there's a jump scare. Yep. <laughs> in the game for, for some reason. Yep, uh, yes. Which is pretty fun. Yeah, you open a box and it's a jack-in-the-box. And yep. Roy Earl tries to pretend he's not scared, but he totally is. Yeah, super funny. Um, all this leads, though, to the, the soup company that the soup came in. <laughs> the cans of pot. Um, with, with the soup owner guy, who's just this affable, nice guy, uh -huh. who gives you a soup a, a soup factory tour. Yep, <laughs> you're loving and this, aren't of, you, Cole? Yeah, all the dialogue is so good. Like, I love Roy's. Like, I hate seeing how shit gets made. Yeah, um, like which, that's a really good line. And and Cole just being interested in this like how it's made style. Yep, documentary about making vegetable soup. And so, like, I walk you through. I'm like, and so, and so, even before. So, this is my first time playing this. I never, the, I never did the DLC before. So, I'm walking through. I'm like, wow, that's totally cool. How they've like got this whole factory in here. And he's walking through, saying, like, here's where they cut this, and here's where they. And then I realized, oh, I'm the joke. Yeah, and then, and then Roy says, "You're loving this, aren't you?" <laughs> yes, I yeah, am, Roy. Yeah, <laughs> that's very funny to me. Though. I really like that. The big thing is, everyone you run into who's maybe part of this cartel or whatever has a silver dollar. Yes. Um. 
you know, with them. <laughs> and uh, that's ultimately what you end up finding out. And you, you do a, you come back later mm-hmm. to a big, big gunfight at the old soup cannery. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of cream and magnum. Ugh. Yeah, yeah well, exactly. I say that? Uh, yeah, I know. But yeah, that pretty much takes down the whole ring. And which is cool. And you get an interstitial here where Courtney is kind of, it's interesting that they, they put this now they know that they did this in DLC mm-hmm. because I think they need to show Courtney is not necessarily a shit heel right. um, and do some kind of character redemption work for him. Yeah. So they show him in the war, like actually really risking his life and running up onto a hill mm-hmm. to euthanize a wounded soldier with morphine. Yeah. I think if you don't have the DLC, this actually plays after the previous case. Because oh, I remember, really? I remember this detail from the main game. Oh, huh. I got, yeah, I've never played without the DLC, so that's, yeah. I didn't know whether maybe they didn't actually add those. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the like Courtney has his own version of justice, and Cole is really, really pissed off about that. Yeah. And uh, next, we're moving on to the setup. Yes, this is uh, again another classic kind of vice kind of thing. Uh, again, noir. Uh, there is a boxer who has been paid to take a dive, but um, he wins the fight and then decides to flee, and then has pretty much all of uh, the police department uh, going after them because they were in on the bet as well. Um, yep. And Mickey Cohen's goons um, because he yeah, uh, also good. Yeah, well, they're just gonna say they were also in on the the bet. Yeah, like he lost a lot. He lost a lot of people, a lot of money. So you're essentially just tracking this guy down and kind of learning, you know, his story eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing about him is he's, he's British. So you use that to kind of track him down. Um, like you go to the hotel he was at and he used Winston Churchill yep. as I, his fake name. I love that puzzle because it's a, it's a whole register of a bunch of celebrities and his sticks mm-hmm. out because, oh, obviously he's British. So there's that. Like, that was great. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a good puzzle. Um the uh, uh, I, I actually like all the times where you're tapping stuff mm-hmm. in this game, like your hover hand going, <laughs> yep. that fup, fup of you tapping things is a really good sound yeah. effect. Yeah, and they put in dialogue um, for like inconsequential stuff, like in the, like they yeah. try and guide you toward the right thing. It's really well thought out. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, So you, you make your way up there, you get to the hotel. Um, a guy uh, is beating on uh, Candy and she's actually knocked out. So you, you fight him and it turns out he is a, another... Uh, cohen of cohen's goons yep and eventually like you know when doesn't this guy like is this the part where this guy wakes up and you're just kind of like let him go like after you talk to him because it's like we both know how this goes like you can't really do anything with this yeah yeah that's the that's right? the time yeah yeah, yeah Which... this is this is cohen's guy who who was trying to get information because you're all looking for the same person like mm-hmm. you because you know more or less to protect this person right you know yeah oh and also roy Orr wants his 50 dollars back yeah exactly <laughs> yeah no wife in the club yeah maybe 20 dollars <laughs> yeah uh. <laughs> but yeah um you uh you end up going to a couple of different haunts to try and uh, track candy down because she's obviously uh working some kind of angle there are some like tickets and things like she's obviously planning to meet up with him later uh with ham into this boxer mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um but eventually you get to the bus station where she's you know leaving and it turns out that uh you find her in the bathroom and she's been killed yeah you hear a scream and, and a shoot. shot yeah and a shot um yeah, yeah. yeah. D- d- just in case you thought this was going to be a case that didn't have a body count <laughs> yeah exactly exactly yeah. and and she has a theater ticket so you head to the egyptian theater mm-hmm. and this is where the uh the guy who who won the fight is actually at along with people who want him dead yeah hold up this is actually one of well, like one of the better gunfights in the game i like this a lot because it's in the dark but it's just an interesting arena yep too like it's multiple levels mm-hmm. and and stuff and uh, when you when you get to him, eventually you kill everyone else. And Hammond's there, and all he really did, like he did, you know, do some crimes, but he just wanted to go off and start a new life 
with these winnings, you know, and, and didn't want to take a dive, mm-hmm. you know, in this fight. And Cole gets this, you know, and he was a Marine and, and also left courage at some point. Yep. Um, and lets him go. And this is like, this is the moment where it's like, oh, people don't like Cole. Like, I mean, he does some other things that like set him up, you know, that make people want him to take a fall yeah. more than this. But I feel like this is where he probably made a, lost a lot of his goodwill. Yeah. Since everybody wanted this guy dead. And he's, this is his first time he's choosing humanity over justice. Right. Maybe in his life. <laughs> uh, and, and like, it's, it's a really important turning point for him as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But they don't play up. Like, they, they don't play it up. It's not a huge deal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not super, super, super dramatic, but like it is, uh, it just seems important to me as far as like the, this makes sense with him not fighting the, the previous Dahlia shit mm-hmm. and kind of with what happened or is going to happen to him. Yeah. It's like, so he knows there's a game being played and he's going to play it on his own terms. Um, so we're on to the naked city. <clears throat> yes. And this is a DLC case mm-hmm. and uh, it's pretty good. I like this one a lot, actually. Yeah. Well, I like, uh, you know, because this, uh, you start running into your old partners, which I really like. Yeah. So um, you find out Bukowski's made is... homicide. Yeah. Good for, good for Bukowski. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and he's with, uh, he's with, uh, uh, what's his head? Rusty. Uh, Rusty. You know, so you get to see both these guys again, which I really like. Mm-hmm. They're investigating and, uh, the scene where a woman was found dead. Um, and there is some army surplus morphine, uh, found around here. And everybody thinks that it's a, uh, that is a suicide and it was kind of made to look like a suicide, but, uh, both Carruthers and Cole, um, you know, understand that it is actually, um, a murder and because of the morphine vice is being brought in. Yes. Yeah. Cause uh, there's no foam from her drowning. Right. Um, so you check out some clues in her apartment. Um, you find this smoking jacket that, that uh, suggests a paramour, Mr. Henderson, mm-hmm. and uh, find the doctor who's uh, prescribing her, like, uh, incongruous <laughs> drugs. Yeah, like be- um, be- Benny, Benny's and barbiturates. Yeah. So, and he, and, and Cole even says, like, anybody who would be on this wouldn't know up from down. Yeah. Like, this is irresponsible doctoring. Yeah, her life would be a roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Uh, what's weird is this is actually based on a movie called The Naked City. This is straight up, like, Naked City fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. The Naked City is uh, in New York, right? Yeah, isn't it not in L.A.? It's yeah. not in L.A., the, the, but like very yeah. similar circumstances to this. There's a woman who's found dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew it was uh, still an homage, but it's just kind mm-hmm. of like the L.A. version of yeah of uh, the New York, the Naked City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you find her uh, place of employment to this uh, scene dress store where you uh, kind of interrogate her friend, and Cole takes this tactic of not telling her that she's dead until after he's asked all the questions. Yeah. yeah, which he gets congratulated on afterwards. Yeah, like Roy is like, "Good job not telling the bird, you know, that, that her friend was dead." Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, she's actually dead. Like this is the only case where he does that. Yep. But he's real into doing it during yeah. this one. He, he will tell a little girl that her mother is dead without the father being there. <laughs> yeah, without even blinking, yep. without feeling an emotion. <laughs> Colbot twenty thousand will just like <laughs> will do it. But now all of a sudden he's on Vice. He's got this sense of subterfuge. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But eventually, you know, roads lead to the doctor, Dr. Stoneman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he knew all about her habits and everything like that. And this is the first time, like, you know, you, you interrogate this guy and it could be case closed with him. But you get this inkling that there's more to this guy. Yeah. And it turns out to be true. Like, there's mm-hmm. actually he's more important. We just don't have the evidence yet. Yeah. And uh, you get more evidence from the morgue, like Mal calls you in and he's like triumphant or his version, his stoic version of triumph. Yeah. Turns out <laughs> she died, you know, heart failure due to morphine. 
Um, and there was actually mm. another corpse uh, that uh, might be linked, right? And this is like the the most gory that the game gets outside of the the crazy evidence dungeon in uh, Homicide. Like this this caved yeah. in head. It's very upsetting, actually. Yeah, some of, some of the arson stuff's pretty upsetting. Oh, uh, true. Later yeah. too, but the, yeah, this is this is very upsetting. Um, and that person had a morphine and also a harmonica. Yep. A and good one music too. angle. Um, yeah. Honer, they make a good a good harmonica. Yeah, it's a quality harmonica. This yeah. podcast is brought to you by Honer. Harmonica <laughs> yeah. sound. Yeah. That harmonica sound. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, this is where the details get a little bit soupy for me, actually. So Henry Arnett is a guy who uh, um, had sex with Julia, but he's actually the fiance of uh, of one of the uh, of, of actually the uh, of, her, of her friend of her friend. Yeah. Yeah, it it does. The details do get a little bit. This is a long, complicated case. Yeah, um, which as the DLC cases tend to be, um, yeah. you know, because they're they're adding value separately as opposed to being part of a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were trying to figure out about uh, talk about uh, Mr. Henderson and LeBlanc. Um, I love this part where Henry Arnett talks about his military service. And <laughs> yep. that's that's like the worst thing you could do to Cole. Oh, God. Like that is like literally the way to make an enemy with this guy. Yeah. And uh you know, kind you, of a, you are you push them on it kind of a shitty thing to do in real life too oh of course like it, it's definitely <laughs> a shitty thing but it's specifically like the kryptonite yeah to this character you know that's not the thing to do he shows remarkable restraint because doesn't he say that he was in cole's unit like he says he was in the sixth that somewhere or somewhere yeah around. it's, yeah, it's, it's like, really oh, close what, to home what company yep yeah yeah but he's you know it doesn't he doesn't end up specifying but cole doesn't buy it for a second um, and, 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 and Rory even says like, why do you let him get away with that? And he's like, we have to tail him. So yeah, that's why you, you tail him to the secondhand mm-hmm. goods store. Yeah. To the secondhand goods store where you find out that he pawned a Fabergé cigarette case, um, yes. which couldn't have possibly belonged to this guy. Like he got something like $200 for it. It was valued at $10,000. Something is going on here. And this actually leads back yes. to a very uh, large evidence sheet of a robbery that took place a little while ago of this woman uh, uh, named Evestrom. And pretty much all of Julia's possessions, including the pillbox, kind of came from that. Yes. So eventually you go to Evestrom and you're like, hey, we got some of your stuff back. Um, and she's like, oh, I was robbed. and I was at a party by Dr. Stoneman. Um, you know, and, and then you find out her daughter is actually the friend and it's like, oh, something is connected <laughs> here. Um, you know, you head back to Arnett's, um, because he, you think he's implicated in this, this theft, uh, theft ring. You chase after him, he punches you in the face, which I love this. Like, and then the, the screen fades up and Cole's like stumbly wumbly in the apartment, <laughs> but, but Roy took care of it. Like Roy's weirdly a competent partner for as yeah. much as he's a shithead. Yep. Um, and uh, you kind of you put the pieces together that, like, it's actually the part of this big theft ring where, like, Stoneman throws these parties um, the uh, and these these people rob the houses of people while they're at the parties. Yeah. So uh, Julia was leading him on. And, in fact, she's kind of the impetus for all this because she wanted more and more money for her lifestyle, right? Like, she was a fashion model yes. uh, at these stores and everything. And um, uh, he was kind of leading Dr. Stoneman on in order to do this. And he's so distraught over the fact that, you know, this realization that, A, she's gone, and B, she never would have loved him anyway. And he takes a header out the window um, into a car yeah. underneath it. Yep. Which, when you get there, you see that window open. And I was like, somebody's going to jump out that window. Yep. <laughs> like, somebody's definitely going to fall out of that. And then it definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still trying to find the murderer, though. Yeah. Um, because they had some tops. This, uh, Yeah. Yep. So you find out Willie's apartment and he's a wrestler and, uh, you know, you find out from Bukowski that like he loves, uh, he plays harmonica for the kids. So you follow the sound of the harmonica to eventually get to him. 
<laughs> yep. um, and then you chase them up to the top of the hotel building, which has this gigantic uh, kind of tower, like this uh, broadcast tower, and uh, you shoot mm-hmm. them off the top of it. Yeah, kind of cool and that's really it's really atmospheric because you can shoot the uh, the letters off. Yep, as you, as it goes off, and it's, it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's a great great gunfight. Um, and you get a really important little interstitial scene here, um, where kind of earlier on in, in Cole's career, um, all of his men die. You know, like he, you know, there's a there's a disastrous push, and uh, he ends up kind of hiding out, and uh, he's found. Like a, a a commanding officer finds him, and he's like, I can't believe you guys did it. Like, you know, you guys pushed through and did it, mm-hmm. and you know, you're the only survivor. You're promoted. Yeah. And and then Kelso is seen in the foreground going, <laughs> and he throws his hat down on the ground and stomps on it, and he turns around and shakes his fist. At, he was pr- and, he was promoted oh. across the county line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the Phelps boys have done it again. <laughs> promoted to the lieutenant. God, sorry. God, corn, corn, sorry. Hello. Um, <laughs> corn Titan. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is the uh, this is the battle on Sugar Sugarloaf Hill, right? This is what yeah. got him the Silver Star. Yeah. And he he didn't earn it at all. No, like he you know he does not deserve it. Right. So that is kind of the takeaway from from him for that. Like not you know just didn't deserve it, but it's not he didn't get under uh, under the terms that everybody thought he got it. He did not get it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so we're on to manifest destiny, the climax of the uh, the arson case. Yeah. Arson desk or the the, the vice desk. Vice desk, rather. Yep. Um, so two. There's a, a club that was found that was shot up. Yeah. The, and, the uh, morphine's involved. involved. <laughs> yep. We said that at the same time. That was weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. The morphine's involved, and that is obviously the bat signal for Vice. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the One Eleven Club. Uh, the, the the two people who are dead of the morphine are actually the the rest of the band from the Black Caesar case. But uh, more importantly, this place was actually owned by uh, by one of Cole's former uh, unit members. Yeah. Yeah. Who's who's trying to to make good and, and start a club here mm-hmm. with uh, some money that he got from mysterious. Uh, sources. Not so mysterious um, because you find army surplus guns, morphine, and cigarettes in the back room. Yes. Yeah. So it's a well shit, you know. <laughs> um, you, know, you talk to the waitress, um, you know, and uh, Eddie buys the place, but he doesn't know how to run it. Like right. this is in this theme of people from the military not knowing how to live mm-hmm. uh, when they get back to the states. Yeah. Eventually, you find a uh, you find a um, a trumpet case that you have to do a little puzzle in by moving the valves um, in order to find. Um, this uh, syringe and also a uh, a ticket inside, which uh, you can actually send over to uh, um, that leads back to the blue room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a little bit of a uh, because all of this is being linked, linked back to the Cool Ridge. You go back to the police station and um, you talk with uh, uh, Robbery, which again was one of your other deaths. This is actually uh, voiced by the, your your partner there, your former partner, voiced by the guy who did uh, Garrus Vicarian um, in mm-hmm. uh, Mass Effect. Which is pretty funny because he was also a cop in that. <laughs> um, and um, uh, what's pretty cool is uh, not really cool, but something that advances it forward. The press is actually pr- uh, putting a lot of pressure on the LAPD because of uh, um, kind of the things that Vice is doing. They're taking a cut from prostitution um, around the city, and yeah. so and yeah. so you have you 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 kind of have this uh, this angle that you know there is a veteran connection with the Cool Ridge, and also the the department is in a lot of trouble. Yes. Um, you head on over to the, the blue room, which is where Elsa works. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you get there, she finishes singing her song. They're, they're practicing for the night. And uh, she says something in German, and uh, Roy's about to slap her. Cole steps in, 
and you know just go take five i'll interview her and uh and you interview her and she's kind of you know saying the same thing that roy's been saying like hey you know kind of everybody does drugs mm-hmm. um you know everybody's got their got their vices um and there's really not like at this point like i know you've been seeing her mm-hmm. you know to a degree but at this point this interrogation does not feel like these characters have very much of a relationship it's kind of weird. Did you did you get that too, or did you think that it felt? I didn't. Like Cole's voice acting does not feel familiar. No, it doesn't, here. and it never does. Right? Like yeah. he he pretty much always comes across as a as a justice bot. Um, you know the the way that I read it because it's not until the end of this chapter, um, or uh, midway through this chapter that we actually kind of see what he's been doing. Up until now, he's been coming to see her, and like I get the sense that he at this point knows of her and is infatuated with her. And yeah. this this is this is what kind of motivates him to kind of make the first move. Whereas you know before all of it's kind of been in his head, um, and you know now because of this he is willing to kind of go go through with it because he's had a chance to really talk with her. Right, and that's what that's what it seems like. But that doesn't with what we learn at the end of the case that can't be. You know, they've clearly had a relationship for some time. I suppose right? maybe. Yeah, I mean they 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 would almost. I mean they almost would. Like, it just seems like they, they would. Maybe not, but yeah. maybe. Um, I just always thought it's, that it was longer running than that. It's but not maybe, explicit. Maybe like, right. they don't they don't say, oh, we've been doing this yeah. for months. We've been wandering around. Like, we'll, we'll talk about the actual story be where that happens. But definitely, yeah. they don't seem familiar here. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. Um, but eventually, you know, you uh, you talk to her. And, uh, you know, you end up uh, get, taking a break for the <laughs> night. Um, yeah. And going to her, her house to bang around. Yeah. Like you actually and, tail her from, from, you know, from this place. You, you, you ask, and, you ask Roy, Hey, give me, give me a night, like give me until tomorrow and I'll have this figured out. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because the game just says like tail her, yeah. but it's, we know this isn't part of the case or anything. Mm-hmm. The game is just making us, you know, do, do police work for Phelps's dick. <laughs> like we're just, we're just, we're, we're, we're on the case, <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to, to, to help Cole, like, you know, get some, yeah. um, some but due Roy process. tails you. Yeah, exactly. Some <laughs> DEW process. Um, oh man, the uh, <laughs> what? No, it's the, fine. Uh, you, you said it. The, I know. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so so and and Roy tails you and finds out about it. Yeah. So he's got some... which again is that is this his long con? Is this part of him? <laughs> is he? Is this why he introduced you to her? Like mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's probably he 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 got a suspicious vibe off of it because he you know he knows sleaze when he when he when he encounters it. So yeah, yeah, sleaze when he smells it. Yeah. Yep. Um, you uh, have a, a little encounter with Mickey Cohen, right? Because you feel that there is some kind of uh, link with him at the Mocambo Club, um, and this is a bit of clumsy exposition around it, actually, uh, because after you leave, they're like, "Oh, he's on to us. We gotta we gotta pull the trigger. We gotta you know make sure that they don't really find out what we're doing." And like nowhere else, aside from those interstitial scenes, do we actually get information through cinematic that Cole doesn't get directly. Yeah, it breaks the uh, point of view. Yeah, which is a, you know, which is a bummer, I think, because like what happens afterward is pretty obvious without that. Because you know you're led around town um, in a much more satisfying way than in Homicide, uh, with all of these former unit, mem- you know, these unit mates, uh, uh, Courtney's co-conspirators, um, you know, getting killed. Yeah, getting killed or in shootouts or in the process of shootouts and, and the like. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think that they didn't really need to do that. And it's also just kind of showing the strain. Like, this is the beginning of the game kind of falling apart a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, if it, you know, you go through uh, Alvaro, who's another Marine, um, who's the target, who is who is being shot at a bus shooting. Um, you know, eventually you want to get uh, Jack Kelso's address. Yeah. 
because, uh, you know, you know that he is, you know, he's the hero that Gotham needs <laughs> at this point. And uh, it will, you know, that will be explicit soon enough yeah. while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you, you know, you grab him and you take him to the station and he <laughs> is so hard to interview uh, because he hates your fucking guts. Yep. Like this is somebody who hates you and hold a grudge against you, um, you know, and thinks that you are just literally just brown nosing for prestige, which mm-hmm. you have been. Yeah. Kind of. Get, getting promotions on the back of your comrades, which yep. Kelso sees as like the lowest of the low. Yeah, like he, you know, he wouldn't he he would wouldn't wipe you off his shoe. Mm-hmm. Like it it is kind of amazing. One of the things that this game does with this chapter, and that I think is really cool, we talk about that dissonance, is the slow realization that the character you've been playing as is a shitty person as well. Yeah, like you know, in these crime cases, it's like oh. It's been kind of on Front Street that the people who are doing the crime or the victims are bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they really go, they really permeate like everybody in L.A. is a bad person. L.A. is rotten to the core. And then they undercut that by saying, except for Jack Kelso. <laughs> he is an amazing, amazing man. <laughs> Immaculate. Yeah. He does just, things just his own way. In every way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and, it, and it sucks because like that, that's so not noir. Yeah, I don't know. You don't, like, you don't have this kind of character. No. Like, and it's like, I would argue that, yeah, argue, I would argue that, uh, uh, Cole is not a very typical noir protagonist. No. Other than, like, LA Confidential. Right. But, like, because he's his, but in a way that almost makes him better because his flaws are harder to see. You know, like, it takes a while to actually figure out the ways that he's a shithead. Um, so he's not, but you can't have a flawless character in a noir no, story. Because noir is about moral ambiguity. Yeah, <laughs> like and Kelso just throws that out the window. Yeah, like you know? he's he's trying to be Sam Spade without the stuff that like and Sam Spade already isn't the most interesting noir character. But, but yeah, like, exactly. but like, he's like a cut rate Sam Spade. Yeah, and, and like just yeah. kind of th- throwing out any of the wrinkles about that about that character. It's just it's really really frustrating. And like here's the point where they're meeting kind of for the first time out of these. You know, like you're you're meeting for the first time when you're controlling Cole. Right. And it's the first time we see them together. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the first time we, you know, we're, we're, we're controlling okay. it. And it's just, it, it, it's showing the contrast because, like, it's been an arc. Like, at the beginning of the game, you could have said, oh, Cole is too perfect. And it's really satisfying to see his development or kind of like deg- degradation, right? As it mm. goes along. Whereas Kelso is just from your first blush, just this constant one note. Yeah. He's, he's confident and, and amazing. Yeah. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's a huge bummer. Huge, huge bummer. Um, Jack Kelso is my least favorite character in this game. Yeah. Um, so the uh, so there are more shootings. Um, <laughs> more, uh, you know, if your men are get your squad mates are being shot down. Yeah. There's a paper um, which shows uh, the conspiracy to get Cole uh, kind of deposed. Uh, Roy goes to the LAPD yeah. leadership saying, like, hey, we can bury all of these vice scandals by throwing Cole under the bus. Yep. Yep. Which is ultimately going to happen. Um, again, more gunmen. Or going from place to place, but this has a sense of urgency. It's just in one case, yeah. you know. Um, the uh, and one of the things you find a hit list where it's like, oh, this is literally all of my men. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're getting there, being shot down, and you're finding all these like clues, um, you know, things about uh, 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 army surplus things. And yeah. eventually, Courtney wants an end to this. Courtney hates your guts too. Yeah. Um, you know, but you have all the evidence to to put him away for this stealing this morphine and stuff, and he wants to interview at the station. Yeah. And you get there, and your first sign that things are fucked up is Fontaine is there <laughs> in the room, and and you are about to nail him. Yeah, like, like one you, of the you know, yeah, the, and 
Yeah. <laughs> one of the squad mates, like when you when you inspect his body, he's talking very creepily, and he says, "Tell Courtney it was bad luck, right?" Yeah. And you're going to use this to put the nail in his coffin. Yeah, and this is you. Uh... Like you're going to put a, solve this huge case. And then just as you're about to, the brass come in, literally just pull you away and strip you of your gun and badge for adultery. Yeah. With, uh, with Elsa. Mm-hmm. And like it is, this is, so this is similar to what, again, we talk about them taking, you know, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. Um, and this is them doing that again, but this feels better yes. than the Black Dahlia shit mm-hmm. because it just, it plays into Cole's character. Like this is, where Cole has been put under the most stress and we see the most that like, Oh, like, you know, like, boy, I thought he was cool. That Kelso guy. boy, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and you, you know, you see that like, he's actually kind of shithead and he's going to be problematic in this, uh, noir world. You can't have this kind of super cop. Right. Um, so of course the system conspires to, to put him down. And then, and this honestly could have been kind of the end. Right. Like, I, I mean, it would have been unsatisfying because there's still mysteries left unsolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but this downer note, this feels like the end of Chinatown. You know, like this feels like the forget it. You know, you fucked up. Yep. Like, you know, <laughs> and, he, and Cole's out on his ass. Um, he's, you know, his wife sends him away. Reporters have been there. We don't know that. I mean, we don't even really know that he has a family at this point. Right. You like, know, like, it's implied. Like he whole, talks about his daughter and stuff. A little bit. Like very little, though. Mm-hmm. Like it is. It is. We don't know him. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 in the spaces that we don't know, the stuff that's filling it in is is shocking and gross. Yeah. Um. So you've been demoted to arson, um, for like the most widely hated desk in the game. <laughs> um. But I think it has some, it has some charms to it. Yes, it does. Let's read around and find it. I think that we're going to turn people on their heads because we just uh, yeah. spent a lot of time taking a shit on uh, taking a shit on the old homicide desk. Let's find the good stuff in arson. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's have the opposite opinion than most people do <laughs> of, of L.A. Noir while still coming away from it being like, oh, it's a flawed gem, which is the, <laughs> yep. everybody's opinion on yep. L.A. Noir. Um, so, the, and the reason why arson is cool is because again, it's individual cases that uh, play into a larger story. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I say arson, I mean specifically the casework stuff in arson. Like yes. the, the coal stuff. Like when you are um, coal investigating that, these burned out wrecks. Yes, that's great. Um, your partner's really good. I mm-hmm. love Herschel. Yep. Um, and then, I, and I also, I don't know very much about arson. No, um, do Which I. is really cool, too. Like, this had the documentary, like, you're, you're, you're loving this, aren't you, Gary? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. Learning about, like, people, way people make fuses for burning down buildings and shit, like... Yeah, uh-huh. this is interesting. It is. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I had a really fantastic time with this, too, because like it has that kind of hit you over the back of the head. Um, let's uh, <laughs> like uh, thematic side of it, too, to Noir. Like, it's not exactly subtle, but like this is coal in the ashes of his career and his life, literally yes. digging through the ashes in order to find the stuff and get some kind of redemption. And, you know, for yeah. for, for as kind of wibbledy wobbledy as the as the main plot can be. Um, mm-hmm. I like the ways that it ties together. Yeah. You know, in hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, so, you know, you've been demoted, you're with Herschel. Herschel doesn't want to, uh, really talk to you. 
No. Like he doesn't like you. He doesn't want to be partnered with you. He never has a partner. Right. He never, he works alone. Um, but he's kind of being saddled with you and you are now everyone hates your guts. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the cops all hate you that, you know, on the street, people are like, oh, it's a cop from the papers cheat on his wife. Like, and because in the forties, that was a crime. Yep. Like that's the thing that, you know, to, to, that's easy to forget, but like mm-hmm. that was actually a crime back then. Mm-hmm. And it's hilarious too, because everybody's street patter about you was like, Hey, isn't that the guy who solved the big case and got promoted? Yeah. <laughs> yep. hey, isn't that the guy who did good at his job? <laughs> like, why doesn't that happen to me when, oh, I never do a good job. But like, why doesn't happen to me when I walk around? <laughs> Yeah, but but at least uh, but on the the plus side is now if you ever cheat on somebody, you're not going to have that. Oh, true. Or when you when you do something shitty, it's not going to be like, "Was that the person that?" You know, I don't know what you do that shitty. Uh, Is that the guy that kicked Chris in the nuts? Is that the podcaster who ever slept? Yeah, Yeah. like come on, man. (laughs) Is that the guy that says um? Um, (laughs) Oh. But, well, me too. Like I, I said, I'm right afterwards. On, yeah. On purpose, so, yeah. Huh. But yeah, the first uh, case here is the the gas man. He's the gas man. <laughs> yeah. uh, this uh, goes back to the uh, homicide style intro cut scenes. We have somebody who's tampering with a water heater and we find out um, at the desk that uh, there are two fires that have been reported. And uh, that is how commoditized this is. Arson is an insurance game yeah. and you're just going there to make sure nothing's nothing's up. Yep, exactly. And most, and, and Herschel even says like nine times out of 10, it's nothing. You know, it's just an accident. Um, you're investigating your, your burned down crime scenes, which is a little bit different because they're, the evidence is much more, uh, there's l- less of it. Yeah. And uh, you very rarely need to actually walk around the house itself. You're just looking for the water heater for the most case, which I really like <laughs> um, just because it's streamlined at this point. Yeah. You know, like the, the, if the game's going to have a sense of urgency about, moving towards this climax you can't have me picking up every cigarette butt mm-hmm. you know on the way there yeah uh but you find out uh that uh this you know family has been away uh they're some of the lucky ones um in terms of this uh they were uh they they, they won a contest to take a vacation at catalina island um, and the details come out pretty quickly, at least at the Stefan's house, um, that, uh, the suburban redevelopment fund is in this and there is, uh, some property buying shenanigans happening. Yes. Again, again, fairly obvious. Yeah. Um, you head on over to the end, you find out their, their water heater was serviced recently. Yep. Then done. done. Mm-hmm. Um, you head over to the Sawyer house and this is much more intense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is a family of four that actually died. Yeah. Like laid out so on again, the lawn. So again, hopping the stakes. Yeah. yeah. You know? And uh, you're on the mail again, and, and he's, you know, he's kind of tough on you. Yeah. But, you know, Cole says, yep, that's firm but fair. But Mal is the first person yeah. who is, you know, straight up said, you know, I think you're a piece of shit, but I respect the way you work. Yep. Yep. I feel I feel sorry for your wife and kids, but not for you. Yep. Um, yeah. Which, again, again, just thinking about, like, how big of a deal adultery was back in the day. It doesn't seem that's like, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem the same way. Yeah. These days. Speaking as a swing divorcee, <laughs> um, the, the, like, what's the big deal? Hey, man, sometimes um, you gotta you gotta wet your beak. <laughs> yeah, sometimes a German broad gets you here and she gets you right here. Um, but so, so you, cool. At this point, like, you are like, there's something more to this. Yeah, and the player doesn't even legitimately know if this is real or if this is just Cole being fucking crazy you know like you think so because the the suburban redevelopment fund but anybody would be reasonable in thinking cole is just you know chasing trying to get his his name back right you know 
or he just doesn't know how to not solve a case that is bigger, you know? <laughs> right. Like we're playing the post credit sequence and he doesn't know it. Oh yeah. You know? <laughs> like like he like he is uh he's beautiful minding back in the shed. Yeah. Trying exactly. trying to find the connection. Yeah. But he's you know, he doesn't want anyone to know about this. He doesn't want the department to get wind of it because they'll shut him down. Mm-hmm. That happened before. Yeah. And so you have one main suspect who kind of pops up at all these fires, you know, at all these uh, crime scenes with the fires, this Herbert Chapman guy. And, you know, Herschel, it's really funny, like, yeah, we've been trying to get him for years, but there's really nothing that we, uh, there's nothing we we can get. And so you kind of frisk him down and he's got a a cigarette fuse and a a book of matches, right? Like, Mm. oh, wait a minute. That's actually like, that makes sense. Again, documentary. Oh, you're loving this, Cole, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. And this, yeah, this guy's just a firebug that like a noted firebug. Yeah. The kind of the interesting things that you uh, the reason why these people were home is because uh, they won that vacation. So that links them. But their kid actually got sick. Yeah. So they stayed home to uh, to burn alive. And there's um, a there's a piece of the water heater that you should that you salvage is the regulator valve, which ends up being very important later on. Yeah. This is where you're introduced to the the, ple- the fire chief, which I think is like one of the cl- other than Jack Kelso, the closest thing this game has to a Mary Sue. <laughs> like it's very like the guy who wrote it like had an uncle who was a, a noted fire chief or something because yeah. he just comes in is flawless teaches everybody everything and everyone speaks <laughs> to him re- with respect yeah it's very funny like just like like at some point you're just like huh the, the fire chief and herschel's like shut up and you'll learn something from him <laughs> like everybody loves this guy yeah uh, <laughs> that's pr- that's pretty funny like because I, n- I didn't get that read on him i thought that herschel was like you know kind of pulling the you know you're the, you're the you're the new dog like just shut up and listen kind of thing like I, yeah. I, I i never saw the fire chief as anything more than just a a, a differently specialized mal he's, he's like a like a mal but he's more uh like he's more confident it feels like yeah and he also he's really kind of condescending when he tells you things like oh, yeah. he almost never gives you information. He always is like, come over to this experiment and find out for yourself. <laughs> he's Mr. Which, Wizard. Like, everyone, yeah, like everyone's done that a little bit uh-huh. so far. But this guy all exclusively <laughs> speaks in like tiny little experiments he's set up. They should get this guy on obstruction <laughs> of justice. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um there's a link between these contests that are running um and a travel agency called gulliver's travel agency um which also has a link to the suburban redevelopment fund after putting the screws to one of the travel guys you find out that actually um uh, suburban which is affiliated with this elysian housing development group uh, is picking the winners right And this segues into that experiment, which is demonstrating how regulator valves work. Somebody's family totally did work in this. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, Like it is. (laughs) Sorry, it took me a minute, but but I'm thinking like, like, why would they like, they could just say, oh, the regulator valve was, was reversed. No, like, no, if you'll follow me over to this desk, I think you'll find some hands on science. That's good even for kids, Cole. This guy would it's later go on like, to found COSI. <laughs> yeah, it's science touch night at the, the Science and Industry Museum <laughs> with the police chief from Illinois. Like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you have to assemble an explodey balloon. <laughs> yes. And, and you find out that like, oh, okay, there is something going on with this regulator valve. Mm-hmm. So you go to Instaheat, the people who are who have made it. Yep. And uh, for some reason, this guy is really employing a rogues gallery of a former arsonist. Well, yeah. I mean, like an anarchist. You know, like water heater repair is just arsony in the other direction, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Reverse arsons. Yeah. You know, if you be, it's like how it takes a criminal to catch a criminal. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, it's, yeah. Hey, it's no different than um, Hannibal Lecter. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I'm bringing in a, a crew of arsony experts to <laughs> in the case. Um, so you're essentially just kind of running these guys against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this communism angle. Or, uh, anarchist well. specifically. Yeah. yeah, anarchists. Yeah, so it's like, oh, they're kind of bad guys. Mm-hmm. Um, really, though, we know that there's the big case. Like, we we find a guy, um, you know, who we think is the guy mm-hmm. uh, of the people. Um, <laughs> but the... Yeah, I don't, that wasn't a very articulate sentence. I mean, I, I, I mean we've been recording no, for a while. Yeah, I, I've had a couple of those this this, this session. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize, everyone. Um, but eventually, out of the three guys... Ryan has a grudge against the water heater company uh, because of his family's deaths. And, uh, you know, again, just muddying the waters. Varley works for the Suburban Redevelopment Fund, um, but was holding mosquito uh, coils for Ryan. Um, and uh, you can charge one of them. But again, we're kind of getting flashbacks to uh, homicide. Yeah, a little bit. Where, where we don't have the full case. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there's definitely more to this. Like, you, even if you get the actual guy, there's something big going on with this development fund. Right. And uh, yeah. that leads into an interstitial. Everybody in Cole's unit wants him out, but Kelso actually steps in to protect him because, oh, he's so honorable, isn't he? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, hope, I hope someday that Senpai Kelso notices Damn me. it. <laughs> Fuck. I was going to be Senpai Kelso. <laughs> you snaked it. You swooped my Senpai. <laughs> I did swoop your, your, your Senpai. Um, so the uh, Walk in Elysian Fields, um, which is our last case, Cole case for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we get this little intro cutscene where there's a creepy dude uh, making origami cranes, which I really like. Yep, and this, like uh, at... this is this is not heavy rain, although you would be. Um, it, it's understandable if you think it would be. Yeah, still, still have not played that, but is that based on the same legend, or is there still like a? Uh, yes. Uh, okay. Um, and you get to the, the Morelli's, uh, the Morelli house. Oh boy, and this is sad. This is this um, is a fucking horror show, is what it is. Yeah, this like, is this is this is that scene from uh, fucking Spec Ops. Yep. Um, Man, as a person who struggles with 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 mental issues, you know, not 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 to be like, mm-hmm. oh, look at me, but like especially like related to obsession. Like I've turned around um, halfway to work in order to go back and make sure my stove was off, even though I didn't cook that morning. You know, because I'm mm-hmm. ter- I'm terrified of house fires. <laughs> like this, yeah. this is this is a fucking trigger warning right here. Is what it is. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's it's really it's really dark. It's really gruesome. Um, so it's a, it's a family of four that um, are they look like they're praying, um, which comes from the fire that has something to do with the way the muscles contract or something like that. Yep. Which again, documentary like the the police chief, the fire chief comes in and is like, <laughs> well, you know, follow me over to this table full of muscles and use this blowtorch. Um, but notice the, how the state curls uh, up when he is applied. Oh, very interesting. <laughs> now, if you'll get out your worksheet, Cole, um, but the uh cool thinks that they were arranged after the fire because there's i think there's evidence of them being killed beforehand right or something like that there's something that doesn't add up yeah and he thinks that he actually did it out of guilt arrange yeah. their body and herschel has a bit of like ptsd yeah because he served in world war one um and he he freaks out and this is what gets him on the case right um you know herschel's on your side again it's like wakes him up yep yeah, yeah. and so this kind of leads you to uh um the neighbor's house where you're you know, talking about this and you're getting more information about, uh, you know, this guy not selling, uh, the neighbor's actually angry because he's ruining the deal for everybody else. Um, yep. and, um, Herschel finds a paper crane again, made out of an Elysian fields flyer. And you see the face of, um, Leland, uh, what's his name? Leland Monroe. Leland Monroe. Yeah. Yep. There we go. So that yep. gives you a really yep. good angle. Yep. So eventually when you get down to him, 
Um, he is just like, again, the, the hardest people to read in this game are the most confident. Yep. They're just like, I'm never going to jail. Like, cause you can't shake them and you can't shake this guy at all. Yeah. Um, also he's incredibly squinty faced. He's like a, uh, like a, like a latter day, uh, oh gosh, Robert Mitchum a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to like get a tell on his eyes, which it's kind of funny that the eyes are so good in this game when yeah. uh, usually that's what they mess up. Um, and that's probably why they included this guy. The unboss should have been just a dupe with sunglasses. <laughs> and just like, rat it's dog. Like, oh, oh, <laughs> never oh. the rat dog murders. <laughs> oh, no. There's been a murder at the World Tournament of Poker. No! <laughs> He's a teen. Why'd you do it? How can you prove I did it? Later, dude. <laughs> pizza teen. <laughs> Who's pizza teen, Gary? He's a cool dude with sunglasses. You can't tell he's lying. Ah! He accomplished some murders back in his teens. And they pulled him in for one last score. <laughs> you can take the pizza out of the teen. But you can't take the teen out of the pizza. Pizza teen. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Anywho, man, this is a long game. Yes, it um, is. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, Oof, oh boy. yeah, but but you press him, and he's obviously trying to pull some strings. He he reminds Herschel, the older cop, like, "Oh, I'm on the pension board. You know that, right?" I, hey. I hate that. That's such a slimy move because I love Herschel so much. Yeah, yeah, such a good guy. Yeah. Um, and there's some uh, kind of like other corroborating evidence. You go to uh, Rancho Escondido, which is another um, uh, development that uh, uh, kind of failed as it went along. And you find uh, uh, that, uh, yeah, they're like the cement was bad, like the, the, the bricks are yeah. falling away and uh, like it's not actually holding to the joists. Like, you know, and Leland admits, hey, we're building these on the cheap. But like, ah, we're building we're, we're building them for our returning heroes. Don't you want them to have yeah. houses? Fucking piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's a real piece of shit. He's a good villain in this game as well. Yeah. Um, eventually, Roy comes and tries to shake you down yeah. from this and tries to get you off the case mm-hmm. um, at this point, And you just, you know, tell him to fuck off because yeah. he's the one who ruined your life before. But it turns out that, you know, at this point, you are now going to get kind of pursued yeah. by, by people. Yep, by the department. So the yeah. heat is on, even though you have a, a little bit of opportunity to go to Chapman's place. He's the he's the the, the closest thing that you have to uh to you know to to a perpetrator right now. And you search through his car and you find yeah. some you know mosquito coils and some ammunition. And he decides to uh, to hop in a car and uh, take off a streetcar actually. So you're uh, so you're trying oh, to yeah. run that off the rails. Yep. And when you get there, like you're. you're... Uh, desk sergeant for this thing. Who, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's mm-hmm. an interesting guy. And he's just like, you know, you saved a lot of lives. Like he doesn't give a shit about any of this grand, you know, stuff. Um, but the, you know, the chief actually comes and says, Hey, you know, stop uh, pursuing Monroe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elsa gets a settlement from a lesion mm-hmm. way back at the beginning of the podcast. When it turns <laughs> out she was mourning her husband, it turns out. And I was like, I couldn't remember it at all. I was mm-hmm. like, wish she this, the game is treating this like this is important. I have no idea who this is. Yeah. Um, but Cole says, hey, Jack Kelso is an insurance investigator. Deny this claim and go to Kelso because he's the one man we need. <laughs> and then the game takes a shit for like three cases yep. of just garbage of pure or like two cases of just pure, pure garbage. Yeah. So let's let let's motor yeah. through these. Yeah, let's motor through the Kelso files. <laughs> Okay, 
see, Kelso sucks because he's not like a cop. Right. Like this is a police procedural, but Kelso doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> um, and this is when you stop, you start doing the least copy shit. Mm-hmm. Like you can do some cop stuff, but you can't like even the meta, like the, the gameplay stuff falls down. Like you can just auto drive. Yeah. If your partner doesn't drive you, that was mm-hmm. a cool in-game and, you know, explanation for why you don't have to drive. Yeah. Now you just auto drive. Yeah. Um, and eventually you get in like Deus Ex Machina from hell. Like you get deputized to be kind of a cop because the game realized like it's not fun <laughs> to play this cop game as an insurance investigator. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is just, this is just lame. It starts with House of Sticks. Yeah. And like, the, like the, the creator, you know, McNamara, like when he was interviewed about this said, like, we wrote ourselves into a corner with Cole's story and we realized that he couldn't actually do what he needed to do without scrutiny on him. So we had to bring Kelso in, but like nothing about this lines up with that actually. Like yeah. they could have, you know, made it so he could do that. <laughs> like yeah. maybe, maybe he's doing it after hours. Maybe this is Cole after dark. You know, maybe which, he gets fired and becomes a PI. Yeah. You know, maybe like, I mean, that that's what happens instead of him joining the arson desk. Like mm-hmm. all kinds of things could have happened. And like, I actually like Cole's story arc and Me how too. he relates to Kelso. Yeah. I just didn't want to even like some of this, the information that was important to be to be done here. Like I almost would have preferred it in a cutscene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just where and, and like and, and they're, they're really propping Kelso up as this this noir hero, right? Like Elsa walks into the office like the femme fatale with a sob story yes. about her former lover and, you know, says this angle. And like Kelso is totally living into the the, like, the, the pattern and Cole calls him out on it later, too. Like Cole says, oh, yeah. cut, cut the crap, Kelso. Right. So he's yeah. living out this fantasy. He's calling every woman princess. And like it's it's so stilted and bad right like even if the character like even if like what they were having the character do and you know like like wasn't so goofy his actual delivery of it as like this overly serious kind of thing like it's it's a weird pantomime of noir in a game that has been so artful about actually mimicking what is good about noir all the way up to this point it's like he's indiana jones in a noir game yeah fucking garbage yeah yeah it's, it's dumb anywho she's refusing this payment um, and you're investigating because, you know, you've got the itch, which, uh, Cole knew you would. <laughs> yep. Um, you, you head on over to the, uh, the, the Elysian field office and, uh, you know, find out that the, uh, the, you know, this, you find the cement receipt and it, it's being built shittily again. Mm-hmm. Um, fight with the foreman. Um, <laughs> and then, then he blue. chases you down with a bulldozer. <laughs> oh yeah. So this yep. is my least favorite action sequence in the game. Yeah. It's so because, bad. Just like a Mega Man boss, uh-huh. the bulldozer puts his bulldozing thing up as a shield <laughs> to prevent it like, from being shot. Uh huh. Why does that happen in this game? That's so silly. Like, strike his weak point. <laughs> what are you doing, L.A. Noir? Yeah. And what's funny is you don't actually have to, like, hit him. You just have to fire enough shots that he gets scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he also, this bulldozer outruns you by, like, you're a military man. Yeah. And and a superhero. How is this bulldozer outrunning you? Yeah. And which, like, if you keep on running, which I which I want to do, I don't want to shoot somebody. I'm just going to get away from this. Like, you get to the yeah, end. and I'm like an there's... insurance investigator. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> like, you get to the end, you're like, oh, there's a little hill I can climb up. Good. And they're like, brr, officer down. What? Yeah. Uh, who's the officer? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, it is so dumb. This is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like oh boy 
Um, anywho, anyway, um, you find out that the, uh, that the houses are being built with, uh, with Greenwood, with prop wood from the Keystone film company. Again, you've seen this before, yes. right? So you go over there yeah. and, um, <laughs> while you're there, you, uh, you pop in a film reel, which is video evidence. Why don't you just take this film reel? Oh my God. I'm so angry. Video evidence of all the people yeah. <laughs> in the suburban, re- re- suburban redevelopment fund saying, ah, we're selling the, we're selling them the American dream and Hollywood <laughs> is our advertising agency. Like, is you taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy? <laughs> Jesus <Yeah>. Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah Where's this? Is, who's uh, filming this? Is. Gary, who's filming this? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really dumb. It's really, really dumb. And you run to your boss, who's another Mad Men guy, um, yep. who tries to get you to uh, to get Elsa to settle, <laughs> who won't take anything. And he's he's appropriately smarmy. I like him. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, you won't do it because you got the itch again. <laughs> yep. And uh, eventually Cole gets a little jealous in a plot that goes nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, are you, you uh, fucking him? Yeah, exactly. It's dumb. And she's like, well, hey, you're, you're getting this guy to do your really dangerous investigation yeah, for you, so, shithead. Like maybe, oh, yeah, maybe cut point. me some fucking slack. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. You go uh, to the... Uh, to some thugs. Yeah, like after a pretty cool uh, Chinatown shot against that uh, that chain link uh, fence. Yeah. But yeah, they, they rough him up uh, right good. They don't slit his nose, but they're pretty close. Yeah. And um, he escapes to Elsa's and collapses, and they call a hospital. Yeah. And then we get a very important interstitial. Yeah. Um, here, these the where, uh, you know, you're it's in the war. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cole is ordering everyone to clear these caves. Um, all the other units are just blowing the, you know, the the cave entrances, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what, you know, that makes sense. But the book says you actually have to clear them out. Mm-hmm. So uh, he actually uh, orders this guy, uh, Ira Hogaboom, uh, to go and actually use a flamethrower inside the cave. And we've right. seen flamethrowers before yeah. in, the, in the game, um, you know, and Cole knows a lot about them. He's like, oh, they're yeah. big guys. They always had him... Uh, you know, use flamethrowers. Yeah. Because they're like, heavy. He identifies people who were flamethrower um infantrymen in the war. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think the um the guy is the is the the hobo. Yeah. The tall hobo. Yep. Um and there's a part in that interrogation that's really nice where he's just like the hobo's like, why would a country ever ask anybody to you know do that? Like put a big flaming sack of gasoline on on, on our back. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Well you get our, no argument for me, you know. Yeah. That's I agree. Uh, so we're on to a plight invitation where Kelso wakes up in a hospital bed <laughs> and, uh, you know, starts calling Elsa princess. He's got the hots for her. Yeah. And then the assistant DA who just introduced <laughs> ASX DA pops in and is like, I need your help to break the case, Kelso. <laughs> you know, the system's rotten. <laughs> Y'all going to help me clean it up. Um, so he gets a badge and a gun, which makes him a little bit more coppish, but it just means he can do more shootouts in public. Um, <laughs> Man, so, oh man. You go so, to your boss's house, though, yep. at this part. Mr. Curtis Benson and, for, a real, for a real creep. Yeah, he's a real fucking creepy dude. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just don't, like, at this point, you are operating outside the law a little bit, so you're mm-hmm. more willing to, like, punch dudes, and, and, you know, you don't have the power to arrest them necessarily. Yeah. You just have the power to investigate. But it turns out he's sleeping with a 12-year-old. Pretty fucked up. The 12-year-old yep. says a thing where she's like, it's not so bad. He just lays on top of me and grunts for a little bit and then buys me things. Yeah. Which is a really gross line. A little bit. <sighs> Um, it just makes me sad. Like, it, yeah. it, it makes me sad in a way that I can't tell if they're trying to do that for humor or not. But regardless, yeah. it's... It, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. That takes the wind gross. out of my sails. So, Pedophilia is gross. It's a, the kind of hard-hitting 
opinion. <laughs> no, get, no, 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 well, well, no, the, like the treatment of it no, is no, gross I'm, here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. I've just, okay. been, yeah. I'm being funny. Um, we're at, we're, we just matched the air past the uh, three hour mark. Yeah. On this <laughs> recording session. So yep. Pray yeah. for us. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, uh, you head over to your former place of employment in order to, uh, kind of shake some things down. Um, you find out that the property value, um, of all of these places that the suburban development fund is, uh, has bought is uh spiking as they're adding houses yes. to them. And Colt yes. comes in. So it's not, yeah, it's like, it, this adds a layer where it's not just like, we're selling cheap houses for a lot of money. Yeah. There's more to it than that. Right. Yeah. And so Cole comes in and there's a bit of a confrontation. Um, there's this cheesy speech about courage. Courage isn't not being afraid. Courage is. <sighs> I would you know what I thought would have been really cool here is yeah. if uh, Kelso would have interrogated Cole. Oh, yeah. Like, wouldn't that have been a cool, like, inversion? I would have liked to have seen Cole get interrogated. Oh, yeah. To like to have Kelso um, say, OK, something's going on here that you're trying to get me into. And then, like, if you succeed, you get something like you get more information that makes the that makes this case end sooner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would have been a double, double benefit. But I would have loved to see, like, see that note. And I'm like, oh shit, this is a actual like cool use of the inversion. Yeah, of having another character. Mm-hmm. Um, you head down to the uh, Hall of Records and you find out Courtney Sheldon, your old buddy, is a shareholder in the Suburban Redevelopment Fund. Yeah, uh, and you have to do this, uh, this silly index puzzle where again, like, this part of the game where nobody gives you information. They're just like, follow me to this experiment. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, well you see the total number of records actually exceeds our ability to fucking just it's it's, it's funny that i'm making fun of that but mm-hmm. i'm also playing 999 ahead of time uh-huh. and that happens constantly in 999 yep. like you just you just get somewhere and it's just somebody like well actually the history of hexadecimals is this <laughs> and it's like see but i like, like that tell because me, that's what we, that game <laughs> we want to get out tell me the thing it, <laughs> yeah. i i like it too it is a little bit silly that just like Let's get a bunch of chatty trivia hounds and drop <laughs> them in one place. Like, yeah, it's a little bit silly, but it does work better there. Here yeah. it is like the goodwill is Pe- gone. People I, are dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people are being set on fire alive, you idiots. Yeah. And there's a, <sighs> there's a crazy gunfight here in the Hall of Records. Yeah. <sighs> and then nobody calls the police. For is this all, um, is this all Cole Phelps's like fantasy? Like, like, is, is he in an asylum somewhere? He's like, oh man, if only I was more like Jack Kelso. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a that's a good idea <laughs> weird again it's all post it's like, it's like season out. five of breaking bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you meet with courtney um and he uh he confesses what he's done mm-hmm. at the college um you know he signed up for this thing but he's in over his head yeah you know he's a he's a good guy um fontaine set him up and uh leland invites invites you over to his mansion here and of course you're going to go because you're a man of action. Yeah, this is the this is the aforementioned polite invitation. Yes. Yeah. And um, yeah. you know, uh, Kelso being the perfect man that he is, he's he's no sucker, so he understands. I've got to bring some gunfire. I've got to bring some uh, some fire to this. So he brings all of his uh, former unit in to like perform an actual raid on Leland's mansion. Yes, in in L.A. Noir. Yep. Um, the, one of the climactic action scenes is you forming a raid on this thing with military group, which like, again, that like the idea of like, Oh, a bunch of displaced veterans being able to use military tactics for, for things outside of the military. It's Rambo. I haven't. Yeah. It's it's really cool. And I haven't seen it a lot. Uh huh. Like it is Rambo, but it's also like, that's a cool idea. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't articulate very, very well. Like this is yeah. this, you know, moving through this mansion really sucks. Um, the secretary shoots you, which is, which is Okay. Yeah, fine. You just need to be like more wounded, um, but eventually you get to Mon- Monroe. 
<laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you're, you're a real hard ass about it. Yeah. You shoot him in the knee. Like that's my opening negotiating position. Like, yeah. like this goes, like, honestly, this goes from like double indemnity to kiss me deadly really, really quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's super goofy. Um, like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eventually Monroe, uh, coughs up that, uh, He's got this uh, bug sprayer that Fontaine mm-hmm. uses yeah. to, uh, to blow up the houses. That, that Fontaine has under his power, as though he is some yes. kind of sorcerer. This is Randall Flagg. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's really the power is morphine. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, he's addicted. Um, and then, and, and uh, Courtney still trusts Fontaine enough to ask him about it, and he gets murdered mm-hmm. yeah. by morphine. Mm-hmm. And then we're on to a DLC case, which, like, does break the flow, but I like this case enough. Oh, it's so good. I it. Like, yeah, this is, like, what I wanted of the game more of in this this last half. So Nicholson electroplating is a real break from form. Mm-hmm. Um, and it starts with Cole and Herschel just being like, what can we do? Like, we're just sitting around while all the, like, Jack Kelso does all this Rambo shit. <laughs> Kelso senpai. Just, how can we prove ourselves yeah, to him? Yeah, how can we How can we be noticed by Kelso senpai? Um, but luckily, uh, there's a huge explosion that happens. <laughs> like a mushroom cloud in the middle of L.A. Yeah. That, yeah like, which, when I first saw this, I was like... Did, did this become just become an alternate history, like nuclear war story? Well, that's what everybody's saying. Everybody thinks that the Japanese are dropping a bomb on you. And that's even what Herschel says, too. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, the game is just going to continue in a post-nuclear fallout land. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, who gives a shit? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not invested. Uh, you know, I, I want to know the main plot, but that's it. But anyway, really, it's this investigation um, of a, a Nicholson electroplating. Which adds this like '40s element that we haven't really had, which is spy shit. <laughs> yeah, um, which is pretty rad. Yeah, um, you know, you go through, you find this briefcase with a with a spy cipher wheel, and you, you talk to the guy who did it, and you find out that there's a a scientist who's working there for this new way to polish aluminum, and uh, he has this uh, assistant uh, Tokomo mm-hmm. or Tomoko, yeah, and uh, who he thinks was sent by another company, but because of the spy shit, we know is actually sent from Japan. Yeah. And so you are investigating this angle, this uh, the, this uh, McClellan is the name of the scientist. He has disappeared. And so you are using the uh, the, the cipher to actually uncover an address that takes you to um, this apartment that has uh, what appears to be a retired LAPD um, officer stuffed in a fridge. Yes. Um, you find an earring with microfilm in it, mm-hmm. which, again, pretty rad. <laughs> um, spy shit. And uh, again, just putting everything that the authors of the game knew about the 40s into one game. Um, you had to go check out the Spruce Goose. Yep, you got to go over to Hughes Aeronautics. And so me, yep. having not played this before, and I'm like, okay, Nicholson Electroplating, I remember selling this to people as pre-order DLC at GameStop. Oh, wait, how, how, yeah. like, what, what could this be? Oh, it's a thing that's made exactly for me. Okay, cool. I get to run around on the Hercules? Fuck yeah! Yeah. <laughs> Um, you're loving this, Cole. You meet, yeah, you're loving this, aren't you, Cole? The uh, Vermin Mapes who you meet here is also a great like shithead. Yep. In this game, like, and he's a retired like he's a retired Roy Earl. Yeah, he's he's, he's Roy Earl, fifteen years in the future. Yep. Um, who is uh, Hughes's private security? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you kind of go around doing again more kind of tactile puzzles and stuff. There are more tactile puzzles in this case than any other case in the game. Yeah. Like spy shit, fucking around with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. And, uh, you, oh boy, I'm losing scene. What happens next? <laughs> you, you uncover the link between, uh, McClellan, uh, McClellan, who was working for Nicholson Ele- Ele- Electroplating. He was trying to get around Nicholson in order to sell the secret directly to Hughes. And, uh, Vernon is trying to cover this up. 
Um, and, uh, uh, apparently McClellan was right in on, um, blowing the place up to, you know, cover up his, uh, actual, um, kind of subterfuge by, uh, <laughs> again, the fire, the fire chief pulls you in and says, Hey, mix these things together. <laughs> Yeah, do you want to do this fun little experiment for yeah. kids, Cole? Yep. Uh, <laughs> but like, this actually has a payoff too, because you mix, you know, it's like, oh, take a drop of this, a drop of this, a drop of this, and it explodes, and you're like, it blows your hat off. And then Mal pops his head in and says, "Yeah, he did that to me 20 minutes ago. It took 20 years off my life for something like that." And well, also somebody po- pops their head in and is just like, "There's an explosion!" Like, oh yeah, what are you doing? Like, it's also <laughs> underlined, like, "Why are you get back to work, kids?" <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, in, in order to uh, track down uh, McClellan, uh, you go to his apartment and uh, Mapes, the piece of shit that he is, uh, has soaked the apartment in gasoline and throws in a Molotov cocktail in order to set the place ablaze. And you have to uh, uh, shoot a gas canister to escape and then chase him back to the Spruce Goose. And then you do a shootout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You do a, you do a, Howard Hughes doesn't show up and be like, Cole Ross, I need you. Step into your time <laughs> closet and <laughs> join me in the past. Drink a full bar, jar of your urine in order to get the chronic. <laughs> chrono jeans necessary uh, <laughs> <laughs> just let me have this scare yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um but anyway uh maybe just trying to wipe out all this stuff and and uh you you stop them so it's a good like just solid case you win yeah which is really really great mm-hmm. um during an interstitial before this final chapter um fontaine is talking to elsa mm-hmm. which like you know you think at some point kelso or Cole could have been like, hey, Fontaine's on this board of directors. Stay away from that guy. Yeah, we've seen him before. Um, we know who he is. Like, he's all over yeah. the papers. He's an alienist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, he's clearly involved at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, they know he's in the he's in the video yeah. that Kelso sees. So mm-hmm. why didn't he say to Elsa, like, hey, I know you're seeing this shrink. You know, back the fuck up. But anyway, um, he uh, she confronts him, and uh, he smacks her in the head with a crystal ball. Yep. And Ira pops in, <laughs> strangles him out of nowhere <laughs> to protect Elsa, which is weird. But yes, Ira's not in his yeah. right mind, so that can be forgiven. Yep, and runs off. And then we're in the final chapter, um, a different kind of war. And so this begins as a Kelso case, um, and uh, eventually becomes a Cole case. But Kelso is investigating these exterminators in what feels just egregious to me. Like, oh, here are three different exterminators. Go and find them. And of course, the last one on the list is going to be the one that Ira works for. Yeah. Yeah. This is really dumb. Again, it's killing the pacing. Yeah. Killing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you find a paper which uh, reveals that Courtney's body has been found um, in this parking lot. And uh, Cole is ready to shoot Roy because Roy is bad mouthing yeah. Courtney. And for as much as they disagreed, yeah. like Cole recognizes that Courtney wasn't, you know, he had his heart in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been satisfying, but sadly it does not happen. Nope. Um, eventually you end up in Fontaine's office as Cole. Uh, investigating it and you and rusty just kind of lets you in as a favor yeah you know at this point like it's not an arson case but you're just like hey you gotta let me in there yeah and and, and rusty uh lets you in there yeah and uh, you find a uh, so redacted invest- case file that uh that out that underlines ira's you know clear case of ptsd along with a gigantic cabinet full of morphine and uh you find out that the these houses are all being built along the new freeway so it's not just arson for money it's freeway for for money <laughs> which is essentially the noir plot yeah. So, like, if you want to make a noir story, it has to be about the freeway being built, be it Roger Rabbit or, <laughs> well, you know, or it, Chinatown. Yeah, it's, well, it's, 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 it's like Chinatown, except instead of water, it's eminent domain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That freeway, though, mm-hmm. that's important. 
Yeah. And so this, uh, th this kind of like satisfying, Hey, we've put all the pieces together. We've got to, uh, <laughs> you know, we've got to, uh, find out, uh, what the connection is here. And there's a paper that links, uh, Leland and Fontaine and Ira, like Leland totally wants Fontaine to get his, uh, to get his goon under control. Uh, but we switch yeah. back to Kelso in order to investigate this, uh, this ranch bunkhouse where Ira, who we find out, you know, was just an Okie who came out here and, uh, his parents fell on bad times when he came back from the war. You know, he had really nothing to come back to except for this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was suffering from extreme PTSD. Right. Um, he's making all these paper cranes. Again, if you fold a million paper cranes, your wish gets granted. Mm -hmm. So go out there and do it, guys. Um, <laughs> well, it's a thousand. It's much more and, manageable than that. Oh, it's a thousand? Oh, <laughs> yeah. that's not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a weekend then, of work. Uh, you, know, you kind of find out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but he, you find out he's from your unit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's a, he's a ton of rat. He's got photos from Okinawa mm -hmm. with the unit. Yeah. Um, and you're heading to the LA river tunnels and he's a tunnel rat, you know, you know, he's going to be there. I can't remember what exactly the piece of evidence that is other yeah. than just like tunnel rats, like tunnels. Yeah. It's um, a, like you find a diagram Cole, of the do... tunnels. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. And, uh, Cole's escorting you there. Like the, the police are trying to kill Jack Kelso and, uh, you and Herschel yeah. try to, to bump them off and keep, you know, do an escort mission. It's actually mm -hmm. kind of painless. Not yeah. too bad. Yeah. It's a little bit dumb. It's you know, the entire police station is corrupt and, and literally every cop in L.A. is going after this guy and they can't stop him because he's Jack Kelso. <laughs> yep. It's it's straight um, up the end of L.A. Confidential is what it is. Yeah. 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 Um, but eventually get to the entrance of the tunnels and Cole and Herschel are going to guard one of the entrances while uh, Kelso goes in there. I'm not even sure who you're, kill who you're killing at this point. Because yeah, you're, you're, you're running um, through the sewers and you're plugging people left and right. Are these cops? I think they're corrupt cops. Okay. <laughs> Um, that, which, which doesn't like you murdering a bunch of corrupt cops with a flamethrower in the sewers is not how this game telegraphs its ending. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, like that, I don't, it's cold comfort. Uh -huh. Also, what's cold comfort is the fact that you don't play as Cole at the end. Right. Like playing the, the final sequence as Kelso is a final slap in the face here. Mm -hmm. The like hero shot where he puts on the, the flamethrower. Mm -hmm. Cause you don't get a choice to equip it. Like you do with most weapons. Like you just walk up to it and you just like shrug it on and you kind of like, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's time for business. Duke Nukem's got to do what Duke Nukem's got to do. <laughs> like, it makes no fucking sense. Um, so You're burning down the house, Jack. Like, yeah. <laughs> God, uh, this is so stupid. It's it's so dumb. Uh, but eventually, you get to the end, and uh, you find Elsa. And this is actually like I like from here on. I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, um, but the, the action the, sequence uh, was just totally just. Uh, it felt like obligatory fluff. Yeah, it's it's really <sighs> bad. It's 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 really really dumb and long. Um, but eventually, um, you find uh, uh, Ira and uh, and Elsa at this point, and Cole pops up then too, and you get the final like kind of piece of the puzzle for Cole's character. Mm -hmm. This flashback, this flashback, which is you know to immediately after the, uh, the 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 paper sequence or the interstitial sequence where Cole sends the you know Ira in to clear this cave, and it turns out that this cave was actually a civilian hospital. And so Cole yeah. was responsible for, you know, making Ira commit this heinous act, which, you know, if, if nothing else broke his mind before, definitely was very hard on him as, you know, as it went along and Cole was responsible for it. Yeah. And it's, they sell it really well. Yeah. Like Ira comes out of the cave and the, the acting is really good mm -hmm. in this. Like he's just like broken, like he's freaking out and, and Cole is freaking out and doesn't know what to do. 
Um, and at this point, like you, you see him, you know, his mind is breaking. Like he's done. He did what you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, the army manual says clear these cases one by one, but he can't think outside of that. And that is his essential flaw. And uh, he's leaving and he gets shot. Yeah. Um, is it Courtney who shoots him? Yeah. Courtney shoots him. Yeah. Courtney shoots him not to kill him. Yeah. But just to put him out. And, and Kelso just like, literally, like, we're never going to speak of this. Right. You know, so the entire game that everyone's been calling, you really get the sense, like, every single time someone's called Phelps a war hero, mm-hmm. every time someone's brought this up, like, that is his war experience. Like, right. hey, I committed a hate crime, mm-hmm. or not a hate crime, a, a crime of war. Yeah. Um, and my unit hated me so much that they shot me to get me out of it, and I was mm-hmm. rewarded for it. Right. You know, so, like, that is the character you've been living in this entire game, and that's a really strong revelation. Right. You know, th- this is this is great. Like, this is A-plus stuff, mm-hmm. weirdly placed in the <laughs> the bottom of a sea of shit. Yeah. Um, like, at the end of the game. Like, yeah. this, that's really good. Yeah. And at this point, you want to, you still don't understand people. Like, you want to arrest Ira or take him in or let him go. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kelso, being the Superman <laughs> that he is, is just like, hasn't he been, like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. This guy, this is, you know, the same thing that you needed to do to that. Like, the same way you were, have you learned nothing? Like, when you were mad at Courtney for euthanizing the guy with morphine, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the, back in the war, like, this is the same thing. Right. Like, this guy's internal injuries are exactly as grave yeah. as that, you know? And Ira's like, you know, I remember you and, like, salutes him and stuff. Like, it is really, yeah. like, kind of a heartbreaking scene. Yeah. Um, if you ignore the ridiculousness around it. Right. The, the, the fact that they're in a sewer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so Jack ends up killing Ira and Cole and Elsa run away. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually, you know, the, the sewers are flooding right. at this point. Because it's been um, raining in a way ever since. It's been raining. It seems like a little bit more sudden than it should be, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and Cole sacrifices himself. Yeah, to, to get save, everybody else uh, up. But like, Senpai Kelso and, uh, <laughs> and Elsa. Mrs. Senpai Elsa. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, ha- he had an opportunity to jump up and grab, and grab one of their hands. Like he three throws yeah. them up, but like the, the, the way that I read it was like he, you know, over the course of this realized, you know, the fact that he's kind of responsible for most of the bad stuff that has happened so far. And that like, you know, he's, he's like, it, this is his shot at, you know, he's, he's killing himself. Like he's redeemed himself. Killing himself accomplishes nothing. Like this is just suicide. Right. Like it, it, they kind of reads like the story beats make it read like a path of redemption, this mm-hmm. act, but it's not no, like he's already not. done anything he's, he could have done. Like just getting this, this thing solved mm-hmm. and stuff with his path of resistance, uh, redemption. This is just suicide. Right. Like, and, and that's harder to understand, but also more realistic and more complicated than yeah. like a typical movie. Like, Oh, he sacrificed himself for the group. Right. Like that's not what this is. And that's kind of why it's, it's pretty strong. Yeah. Um, and then he dies, and then we get the the ending sequence, which like, boy, like a master stroke. Like this is so good. <laughs> well, it's also straight out of the third man. So, you know, exactly, yeah. But it is really, really good. This idea that at the funeral, Roy Earl is giving the eulogy. So good. Like, and, what a fuck you. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, saying you know, like uh, he, he was a hero, in the end, he was redeemed. You know, like, yep. <laughs> like he was and exonerated was of all friend. the charges. Yeah. Oh God. And yeah. like Elsa has the right reaction to it. Like she, she yells at Jack, like the first time anybody like aside from Cole gives him shit for what he does says, you're going to sit here and watch that. Yeah. 
And yep, yep. there's a, you know, I mean, there's, there, there's kind of an okay line. Like, I like this, like, you know, like he was never your friend, you know, I think, uh, uh what's it? Herschel says to, Herschel says to Jack yep. and, uh, you know, but the, he, he wasn't your enemy either. Well, he, what it is, is, is Herschel says, Jack, you aren't Cole's friend. Oh yeah. Like you, you know, you weren't here. And then Jack sells, tells Herschel, like, no, I wasn't his enemy either. Yeah. And like, I hope he understands that. Or Herschel says something like, I think he understood that. Yeah. So the relationship's really complicated in a yeah. way that's very satisfying and, and literary, yeah. you know, for, for a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out, you know, uh, Leland and Fontaine take the heat, which is, which is fine, which is good. Mm-hmm. And then there's a really satisfying post credit scene uh, where like you find out that Cole... Ultimately, really set everything in motion. <laughs> he did even in ways he didn't understand. Yeah, uh, because all the all yeah. of his men are sitting on the tanker, you know, on their way back from China, you know, a couple years after the war, and they're they're reading a paper about how he got a promotion, right? Like, yeah. oh, you know, here here here's this guy, this piece of shit that we know. Well, not piece piece of shit is too harsh, but like you know, this guy who we you know we know his story, we know, we know what happened, and you know we're all kind of sore about him being promoted or whatever. But here he gets in the papers. Which one of us? Which any of you know, like who of us is going to get in the paper for just doing our jobs? And that's when Courtney yeah. comes out and says, like, hey, we've got to do this thing. Yeah, I would. I mean, I mean, you know, he is he is a piece of shit. Like you know, <laughs> he committed this uh, this atrocity. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's, and, you know, and, but of course, Kelso is incorruptible <laughs> and says, I don't want a part of it. And then, like the end. So it, it ends on a high note for Kelso in case anybody <laughs> was holding their breath and I uh, didn't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it has. Well, I love the chase till the minute I win it. A beautiful face till there is love. And that's Ali Noir, mm-hmm. um, which like, boy, do they muddy up the waters at the end. They really do. Yeah, because it's so good when it's good. Mm-hmm. You know, like in some ways, like it's like, this is like this is in, when it's at its best, it's like, oh, this is one of my favorite games. Like, this mm-hmm. is so good. It's yeah. so satisfying when it's doing that investigative, investigatory shit. And like the character arc of Cole is really good. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff. And then they just they undercut it, you know. <sighs> It's it's like a weird I don't know if it's pacing or scope or some kind of weird mixture of both but like you know we're really satisfied with the way Cole's story ends right like that's a macro plot that we're getting little bits of as we're going along but I think that it's most successful you know in the traffic desk when it's giving you these kind of like miniature scenelets right yeah like you know again yeah. game is short story which is a structure that I'm just coming to adore you know as yeah. as, as as things go along. Um, something yeah. that sticks out for me, like I, I, I said the phrase like, oh, right in the pocket, uh, right in the pocket. This is like right in the pocket for me, like an adventure yeah. game that does noir really, really well. And for as like cheesy and pastiche as a lot of noir kind of adaptations are like, oh, this is this is an aesthetic to be mocked or it's an aesthetic to, you know, just kind of like adopt superficially to see this massive work that was successful. Like this was successful for the company yeah. that, you know, kind of came out and did it lovingly and all almost without malice, you know, aside from like Jack Kelso, like, you know, did, 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 did it artfully is incredibly heartening. And that even like gets around a lot of the, the ways that it falls down for me, like in the final analysis. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Uh, I mean, I'm not as big a noir fan as you are. Um, I like it though, mm-hmm. you know, and this, I recognize it as, as a really amazing execution. 
uh, of the thing. I also, and, and this just occurred to me, and I, I would have been remiss if I, this is the reason why I should take notes when I play, because I almost didn't mention this. Uh, another thing that the game lets you do is uh, you go interview somebody in their house and you don't like them, you go out and steal their car. Because <laughs> um, you can drive any car you want because yep. of Grand Theft Auto type DNA. <laughs> Alternatively, you go somewhere where there's a fire, you drive the fire truck away. Um, and that is that never stopped being funny to me. And Hershel just being like, the chief's going to have our ass if he sees us driving this. Um, or making uh, Roy drive in like the hearse and shit like that. And it's, it, that's very fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, kidding aside, like it is, uh, when it's great, it's great. It is uh, the the actual main story is very really sophisticated. Like this mm-hmm. would have made a good novel, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is faint praise for a lot of mediums. But in games, like you know, that kind of sophistication doesn't happen all that often. Yeah. Um, you know, it is uh, it's well worth your time, even though you know we complained about it in the end. Mm-hmm. It does have that thing of being like simultaneously too long and too short. Yep. You know, like uh, a couple of de- you know just more case shit mm-hmm. would have been would have gone a long way towards yeah. redeeming it. I think. So. I really think like Private Detective Phelps, even though like it is, he is so by the book that that's part of his character. But like yep. just having him do the 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 Kelso shit, mm-hmm. and having Kelso be like um, Tuxedo Mask, like he just shows up <laughs> and is amazing. But like, you just like get him as a foil, but never actually have to spend that much time with him. Would have been uh, much better. We have been recording for a very long time. You just dropped a Sailor Moon reference. Hell yeah! <laughs> like, fuck yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Uh, no, it's um, it's it's regrettable that they brought Kelso in, but yeah, it's really good. I would love would have loved to have seen what the studio did with with more of it. The, you know, some of the DNA for this stuff, like you mentioned, Phoenix Wright earlier. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get a little bit of this with Phoenix Wright, but those games don't feel like this to me mm-hmm. uh, very much. Like just because, partly because of the interface and because of the yeah, I mean, you know, just the, the, the way it's structured sounds. too. Yeah, yeah, the tone. Um, like... A way to kind of get this stuff. Um, I started playing an iPhone game mm-hmm. um, that's like a investigatory game called um what is it the scene let me mm-hmm. let me pull it up real quick because I, I have my phone right here okay it's called the trace okay um which is really good hmm. and it is it's kind of like without the interrogation stuff but it is just like you're in a house some crime happened you're putting clues together to figure out what happened yep um it's really successful hmm. uh, and it kind of gave me this the feeling of like that part of this game yeah and i feel like those kind of games are actually pretty popular so like in the weird kind of room escape you know, like checking out a scene and figuring out what happened. Mm-hmm. If that's the part of this you like, you can find it yeah. in places. The interrogation part is much harder to find. It is, but like looking way back in the games we cover for the show, Gabriel Knight's Sins of the Fathers has a little oh, bit sure. of that. Like they're like there, yeah. there's a little bit of a through line through there. Yeah, or even um, like Fallout Two or Torment, mm-hmm. where like the kind of dialogue based boss battles that are in those games. Yeah, um, where it's not quite. An interrogation, but it is like navigating someone's personality yeah. as kind of a landscape. Mm-hmm. Like that's really strong. So that kind of you know the good parts of this are around mm-hmm. in terms of like modern indie releases. Like I made a point of playing her story while I was playing this, and uh, like that also satisfies a very similar itch, just in a very indirect and kind of baroque way. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a cool, you know, it's a nice verb mm-hmm. for games to have. Yeah, you know, investigate. You know, it doesn't always have to be murder.
Um, yeah, what are we doing next time, Cole? Next time we are doing Spider-Man 2, continuing kind of our summer of open world uh, games. Uh, this is the one that came out, I believe, in like 2003 for the PlayStation 2, GameCube, and uh, Xbox. It is very uh, cheap to buy a physical copy off of Amazon, and it runs pretty well on all of those systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will it have as, emo- as much emotional depth <laughs> as, as this does? Will we find out that Spider-Man gassed a bunch of kids in, in the Vietnam War? Time will tell. Um, after that, we're doing the winner of our uh, summer reading poll, 999, mm-hmm. nine persons, nine hours, nine doors, mm-hmm. um, which I mentioned during the episode I've already started, and I do enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, to getting further in it than I did the, my first time I kind of bounced off it. It's really satisfying. Um, to be fair, I, bounce, I bounced off after beating it. So it, it's, you know, after having thought about it, beat it. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then uh, what are we doing after that? Cool. After that, we are doing um, Zone of the Enders 1. Yeah. Yeah. Which... Uh, it's gonna be very interesting. Like, do some Kojima. Like, where at some point we're probably like it's theoretical that we end up doing every Kojima game <laughs> uh, on the show. I don't know if I really want to play Police Knots, <laughs> um, but like you know, the, the Metal Gears all have something to say about them. Yeah, say, say something to say for them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, yeah, they're all fair. Yeah. They're all fair game at least. And this is kind of a weirdly forgotten dead end for uh, Kojima's work. Yeah, and uh, I like this game. At least I remember liking it a lot. Um, uh, scratch when you that got, when it came with, when it came with the demo yes the exactly demo. i remember yeah. playing this and enjoying it after playing the demo yes yeah, yeah. Uh, me too so mm-hmm. but i i have not revisited it at all so we'll mm-hmm. see uh, how that holds up and then yeah. we know what we're doing after that but we won't announce it just yet yeah uh, um, for people it's, who, our, it's our summer rpg yeah i was gonna say for people who are getting antsy oh boy we're running out of summer it is our summer rpg don't worry yep yep and it's a jrpg oh yeah yeah so <laughs> And it maybe rhymes with fantasy car tror. Gary, don't give them um, false hope. <laughs> no, yeah, it's, it's not fantasy star four. Um, I'm sorry if you like I, fantasy star four, but it's not going to be that. Yeah, it's not that. Um, if you want to help out the show, uh, you can rate it and review us on iTunes. You can support us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Go to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. That's mm-hmm. a huge help. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Uh, we love it when people like us on Facebook. Um, I post, I just posted a picture of young Cole playing Mega Man X on there. Um, and that's the kind of stuff you can find along with really good community chat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, blog about it, uh, tweet about it. You know, if you like the mm-hmm. show, letting people know is the, the best way you can, uh, support it and let more people know about it. Yeah. Um, if you like short narrative games, I made a game. If you go mm-hmm. to garybutterfield.itch.io, you can buy it. It's four bucks. Comes with the soundtrack and stuff. And uh, I'm told it is sad. <laughs> Which was my intention, so that's good. Good. Um, so, yeah. I, think, I think that's, that's probably just about it. Yeah. it. Cool. Um, so what should we watch out until next time, Cole? Uh, watch out for... Arson? Fl- flamethrowers? Yeah, there we go.
become an alternate history, like nuclear war story? Well, that's what everybody like, says. At this point, too like yeah, oh we like, thought that got us oh, whoops nope like, not was, gonna say that uh one second this is this is, this is like a you know, <laughs> thank yeah, like, you oh yeah we, when, when you said that criminal conspiracy line earlier i'm like oh i saw in the notes i'm like okay cool don't finish that line <laughs> no uh, god no yeah. <laughs> okay so i'm gonna censor that and that's gonna be the uh the, the easter egg at the end okay yeah 